Welcome to the Mid Max Show. I'm Doesn't Ben matter. Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. We don't uh, even know if this mic is on. <laughs> Jeff Markieficz. Hey, Kyle Hilliard. Hi. Welcome home, everybody. Welcome home to the That's cold right. basement, the, the Mid Max Studio. Yeah. My God, cohorts assembled for the first time in a couple of weeks here. What a Amazing. rare treat! It's an honor to have you all. Uh, number one question. Uh, let's just get right to community emails mm-hmm. here. Okay. Uh, Phil S. says, hey, I just want to know more about Kyle and his whole Gaming Ride Home podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm digging it so far. Real chill and news focused without lacking personality. With, okay. That's a good... Without lacking. Yeah, right, it I sounded to... close to... <laughs> without lacking personality. <laughs> he says, this podcast came out of nowhere. How did this come about and why now? Kyle, the floor is yours. Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I'm doing this thing, the Gaming Ride Home podcast. It's a daily 15-minute podcast that not fo- a min max thing not a min max thing no it, it focuses on gaming news uh but they reached out to me a few months ago and told me about it i, I like the idea of it i just like the premise of like 15 minute podcast a day to just like catch up on gaming news specifically but and is you, it a bummer that to listen to it you have to listen to your own voice then yeah i listen to it mm-hmm. twice okay. before i publish it and yeah it's, it's frustrating <laughs> sorry jeff are you going for the same joke there, no buddy? and you record it on your ride home is that how it is it well, you listen home? to it on the ride home. <laughs> oh. I recorded it in a nice little thing I set up in my house. <laughs> Seamless. Uh, but yeah. people can search for Gaming Ride Home podcast. Yeah, yeah and it, it should, like, if, if you're a mid-max fan, like, I, I'm still going to do as much mid-max as I can. Like, I, and yeah. even this week was, like, a little test run to see, like, can I do do it all? And I feel mm-hmm. pretty confident after this week that I can still do streams and still do the podcast yeah. and stuff like that. And, and the Ride Home guys were... They're all about it. They're like, yeah, keep freelancing, keep doing what you want to do, and then you you have this as well. Nice. So I, it's going well, and I like it, and I hope if you listen to Max, you'll check it out. That's very cool. Thanks for uh, giving me a platform, Hanson. Yeah, no problem. You also had corrections from last yeah. week where you didn't listen. You want me to <laughs> you want me to run these run down these real quick? Yeah, these are corrections for last week. Uh, that I was corrections not on. music, please. <laughs> okay, um, it guys took you way too long to come up with God of War for being the best PS4 game. That was yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, uh, that's not a correction though. It, no. it is, Hanson. I heard your joke. About about me having the I am 8-bit inside collector's edition. That was Oh, something with you effing it or something? Yeah. Again, yeah. not a correction, not a factually <laughs> inaccurate. Let the man speak, sir. Okay. He hasn't been here uh, for a week. Jeff, you forgot the very uh, important reason that uh, you don't want to change your Twitter handle that I selfishly like came to you and warned you to not change your Twitter hand- Twitter handle for, which is if you change your handle, you're going to lose your verification. Oh, that's you're right. Not supposed you supposed to tell him that you fool. You did bring that up. <laughs> Uh, uh, which I didn't care about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually t- I tried like emailing their support or whatever yeah. to ask you know like do I get to keep it or whatever. Their support doesn't. They don't no, care don't anymore. Care. Why would they care? And they, <laughs> it's a free and service. They, don't and use they don't it do verification anymore. Oh really? They don't. No. Yeah, I guess special instances or something. What? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing that announced it was like the post was like two years old and the, mm. and they just stopped doing it and they don't respond anymore. It's. I don't think anyone's even working at Twitter anymore. <laughs> I, I think, think they it's just, just texted, going. Yeah. They texted you wrong number when you asked them about yeah. the name. Uh, any, anything else we got wrong? Uh, I wrote down you guys didn't talk about HQ trivia, but then you did at the end. Yep. So I retract okay. that one. So well, that's a correction to your own correction? Yeah. Uh, Cyril, you were right about Fez being the best. I don't okay. fully remember the context there. But one syllable word. Oh, okay, there, yeah. there you go. Game names. Yeah. Uh, the leaving your child joke would have been funnier with me here. I can confirm that. I think okay. you directed it at Jeff. I mean, it didn't really make any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Hanson, you sure do love the questions that people write in. <laughs> oh, do I say I love them you say a, lot? a lot? You're like, I love this one. This is a good one. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, man. Like, this morning I was going through all the uh, questions and comments that people submitted on Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax, two ends, um, and just going through it. And I was like, what a, what a plethora of good ideas. Like, yeah. I have never thought about this. I've never considered it. And there's a certain sweet spot where it's like, 
an interesting question, but also a little factoid that I did not know. And we'll get to those in the back <laughs> half of the show. But before that, we have a lot of other stuff. Oh, one sorry. more. Yeah. Jeff, um, uh, your brother knew the birthday of your <laughs> friend. <laughs> oh, my God. I never thought of that. Explain so much. That's the disgusting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you want to pause so we can No, we're this good. <laughs> so on this episode, we're covering uh, Xbox Series X. New details, question mark, but at least talking about the specs of the whole system. Next generation's here. We just have to get ready for it. Um, a new Mega Man collection, Mega Man Zero and ZX. We'll talk all yep. about that. Yes, Serial? Me too. Zero ZX Legacy Collection. Yes, it's all over the place with the naming. Uh, then we'll talk about Vitamin Connection a little bit on Switch. Kyle, have you been playing that? Yeah, I played the first uh, two hours or so. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll talk about some Platinum news, some Star Wars news, uh, and then it's that time of the year where we have to pit video game movie adaptations against each other. And so this week it's going to be Sonic the Hedgehog versus... Dragon Quest colon Your Story, which is on Netflix right now, and it's an adaptation of Dragon Quest V, known as the best Dragon Quest, only one of the one of the two Dragon Quest games that I've played through. Oh, um, is that right? Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I went in not with zero knowledge of Dragon Quest V. Okay. Which you might be better off. We'll cover yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, a lot to get to. And then we'll open up the min box, as Flaming Queso named it, and actually answer some wonderful community questions that are submitted on the Patreon. Thanks for your support, everybody. So, was it worth it, Jeff? Um, <laughs> it was worth it. Yeah, I think it was. I honestly. feel good. For audio listeners, Jeff, um, yeah, <laughs> upchucked his lunch all over the table, I believe. Um, let's see. Things for setting the table before we dive into the meat of this whole podcast is VGMCon. Still March 7th, which is a Saturday, and it's going to be at 9 p.m. We're going to have a video game trivia panel. I believe all four of us will be there. So yeah. this is not the next MinMax community meetup, which, by the way, that's going to be most likely taking place around the middle of April. More details to come, hopefully very soon. Um, but this is going to be a video game music convention that's being held here in the cities. We're going to go there, have some fun trivia for the community or whoever's in that audience, and uh, might get rowdy. And again, there is an idea that my friend Grant came up with, which is, I am so excited to do this. I've never been this excited in my life. And so it'll be a fun opportunity to come by, say hi to us. It'll be a great time. Video game, I'm sorry, VGM Con. Look it up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you do have to buy tickets, but check it out. It's going to be a cool event overall. There's going to be concerts and stuff like that. Uh, also, weird thing, on Tuesday, I streamed Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy VII. Um, which is that 2006 Final Fantasy VII game on PS2 starring Vincent Valentine. But it was a weird thing because I was streaming it with my best friend from sixth grade who got me into Final Fantasy VII. So it was a very stressful moment for me streaming of like, okay, let's put my friend Ronnie and Grant. I'm sorry, do you have a call, God, Jeff? I'm sorry, I was trying to turn it off. <laughs> Number one, you spat all over the table. Number two, you're taking phone calls, <laughs> knocking the mics the off the table. The first one was for comedy, okay? Jeez. Anyways, if you want to watch us play Dirge of Cerberus, it's on the YouTube channel. Or if you just want to meet some of my oldest friends and see where at least 70% of my personality comes from, comes from you can actually track okay. it back there. Um, okay, Xbox Series X. So Xbox posted, Phil Spencer blasted out to his three gazillion Twitter followers and said, hey, details about the next generation are here. Yeah, yeah, his byline was on the blog, too. Yeah. By the I way, guess he wrote that. No, no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> That's always BS. But... Everybody ran it like, hey, Xbox Series X specs are revealed. They're revealed. Am I nuts? Like, there were not that many wildly new details here. Like, I actually went back and did, like, a custom time search on Google. It's like, they revealed, like, most of this information. There's a couple of, like, 
new ways that they're framing things. Like, okay, we have like what's the smart delivery? That's a terminology I haven't seen before. But okay, just for the basics here. Yeah. Um, so Xbox Series X, they say, is our most powerful console ever. What? Powered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're going that direction. Doing it. Ever powered by our custom-designed processor leveraging AMD's latest Zen 2 and RDNA architectures, delivering four times the processing power of an Xbox One and enabling developers to leverage 12 teraflops of GPU, uh, twice that of an Xbox One X and more than eight times the original Xbox One. So 12 teraflops, variable rate shading, hardware accelerated, direct X ray tracing, quick resume for multiple games, very exciting. Yeah, What cool. they call smart, smart delivery, uh, a ton of other details like that, but... Did anything strike you from this that we didn't know before? Uh, I think the variable rate shading. I saw a like a quick breakdown of what that is. Is basically like it. It's like the equivalent of like trying to like not focus on like rendering parts that are still versus rendering moving parts. So that that would the the short version being that it'll lead to more consistent frame rates since it's not working as as hard to like render the entire scene the whole time. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm I mean, sure I butchered that, but like. It, it, it's the idea that like they're using a new sort of it, it supports a technology that allows frame rates to be a little bit more consistent, which is which is good. Yeah, I feel like they could have done more. It's a very techie announcement. It's amazing that it made as big of a splash as it did, considering there's not that much new stuff there. But I think overall, it just speaks to how hot and hungry people are for the next generation, Ryan. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just like just give us anything, even if it's, if it's just reconfirming 12 teraflops, which they mentioned before so that, and everything. That was new. And that the, wasn't new. The teraflops thing was old. That was old. What, yeah. And the fully the backwards compatibility was that like is are these things that are just now fully confirmed? Well, or? it's confusing because I feel like that was at least strongly implied. I can't yeah, imagine they or assumed maybe because like, all, all the wording it says is like, hey, four generations of Xbox are going to be playable here. Uh, technically, it will upscale things yeah. without any work from the developers. It's like, okay, cool. We already kind of had that for Xbox One. Yeah. If anything, I was expecting them to go a little bit further because I, I from what my understanding is that like. The way that it can play Xbox One games is the same way that the Xbox One does, which is just through software uh, backwards compatibility. It's not like a universal thing, right? It's not like you right. can pop in an Xbox Yeah, the games One that are right. currently backwards compatible on Xbox One are the ones right. that will be backwards so compatible on Series X. They're yeah. basically confirming that what they ha- what, like everything that works on the Xbox One will work on the Xbox Series X, right? That's mm, I don't know about that. Like not forward necessarily. Well, right? like like the Xbox Series X will support everything that the Xbox One did. Is that... Yeah, yeah, but there will be Xbox Series X exclusive right, games, right. right? So, but so what I'm saying is like everything that worked on the Xbox One works on the Series X. Oh, yes, yeah, you're right about that. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then I think they also, they had the smart delivery thing, which I think is the other kind of thing that people were pretty surprised by. Well, so this is a confusing one yeah so this is i mean the basic idea but now they have a new terminology for it right so smart delivery they say this technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you're playing it on the xbox one or xbox series x you're getting the right version of that game on whatever xbox you're playing on we're making the commitment to use smart delivery in all of our xbox game studio titles including halo infinite ensuring you have only to purchase a title once in order to play the best available version for whichever xbox console you choose to play on the technology available is available for all developers and publishers and they can choose to use it for titles that were released on Xbox One first and come to the Series X later. So it is a choice by third parties. Apparently, yes. yes. And so then this is also bundled quite nicely with the announcement from Cyberpunk, Jeff. Um, yeah, which was uh, the most interesting thing of all this, which is that they said that if you buy the Xbox One version of Cyberpunk, you will get the Xbox X version for free. Basically. Which is awesome. And yeah. it's like it takes 
a company is with as indie of a spirit as CD Projekt Red, which I understand some problems with the company overall, but still, like, that's a cool move that they're the first mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is going to be a default. And, like, at this stage of the game, that can send the trend, set the trend for the entire generation. Yeah, and so yeah. I hope other publishers that are a little more corporate, a little more buttoned up, look at this and say, okay, well, they started it. we got to keep rolling with it. Hopefully Sony also looks at that as well now that the Xbox is offering it because that that is a very real incentive to, if, I mean, if... Other companies continue to do that for Xbox specifically, you know, that could ch- change which console people are deciding which sure. to get. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, they, you know, Xbox would have set a standard of like, hey, if it works with the Xbox one, it has to like sort of like a PS4 Pro thing where it's like, hey, if it works with with uh, the Xbox one, it has to work with the Series X. Like, it's just like a default standard, but I can totally see why companies would want to do it like piecemeal mm. for, you know, whatever reason. Or or just see that as an excuse to charge Ten dollars more, like like the last generation, right? Yeah. Where if you yeah. got, like I, I think Black, Black Flag, Flag was yeah. the one where it was like you, you can take the PS3 version and put it in your PS4, but you're going to have to pay ten dollars for some reason. Because everybody knows that that costs ten dollars yes. for mm-hmm. us to deliver that Precisely, data to you. Yeah, yeah, it's very scientific. Um, and just to be clear, like it's not that I'm not excited for next generation overall or the next Xbox. I just was confused why this was seen as a big reveal. I guess it was just because it was a lot of confirmations coming officially from Microsoft where everything else has been kind of staggered and like spread out where Maybe. this was like here's a list here's the teraflops here's the it's going to do 120 fps it's backwards compatible hdmi is going to be better the wireless controller is going to be better like yeah. it was just like a nice list of everything yeah you know it's smart packaging so, it was a smart delivery from xbox you yeah know? like Do i you, would i would rather see that kind of stuff here than like in a trailer or something honestly just like a bullet point list of like yeah. technical things you right know? So they say 120 frames per second support, which I believe in the reveal video, they were just very confusing about saying, we'll show more frames per second than you've ever seen in your life or something like that. It was very nebulous, but now it's like, okay, we can support 120. Yeah. How many games by the end of the generation do you think will use that? I think 15? A lot. No, a lot. I think a lot, yeah. Because that'll be a selling point of the game. Like that'll be the reason to buy, you know, Call of Duty on Series X is because it's 120 versus 60. Compared to the Series L or whatever the hell, yeah. the smaller version I think, version I think it'll be like a... A big part of it, for sure. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be quickly forgotten. I, I think it's total crap, right? Yeah. I mean, hasn't hasn't everything about science said that you can't see frame rates well, higher than you well, know, know, 60 or whatever? I mean, people but... love playing above 60 on PC and stuff like that. I just don't think it's going to be a big deal this generation to have 120 frames per second. Because yeah, everyone always imagines that it's like, oh, yeah, the, the benefit that we're going to get out of the next consoles is that we're going to play the games we have now. And obviously, no one is going to be so like hungry to have like stronger textures or whatever right. that they'll sacrifice frame rate. So everything will run so much better. But I think what we're going to eventually get to, I think early on we're going to see a lot of 120 frame rate titles. But I think oh, as really? time goes on there's going to be more people just saying, like, well, we can make it look better if we just have it run at 30 or 60 or whatever. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what's a good Xbox property where they could push it? Do you think, like, Battletoads? They'll be like, okay, it's running 120 on the Xbox Series X, baby. Honestly, so I mean, that would be kind of a fun, weird selling point th- for that. So you don't think Infinite will have 120, like, I think out of the gate? Uh, as an early question. launch title, I think, the, I think there's a chance that it I could. It could, it have, could have a setting where it's like, if you want to set it for performance, yeah. it'll be 120. I think that's likely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everyone's... Leaning performance. I mean, do you guys? I always pick performance when I have the option, right? Like, I don't yeah. care about better textures. And yeah. yeah. The only the only time I ever chose like uh, like it not the not performance option was for God of War, but that was just because that was like the first time I had a 4K TV and I just wanted to see what that looked like. Yeah. Um, but I eventually ended up switching it to performance, and even then, it didn't necessarily like that. 
even on Pro, it didn't necessarily perform at a solid yeah. 60. So. Sure. The uh, quick resume for multiple games. That's cool. That's yeah. like the yeah. first little yeah. thing. It's like, okay, there's something very tangible, I feel like, for the way I play games that I'd appreciate. Yeah, that right? is nice. I like that. As long as it works. I feel like it doesn't, it's inconsistent on Xbox One. Like, I feel like it works half the time. Like, sometimes, like, my game just won't resume. I don't oh, know really? why. It's just, like, it's weird. So as long as it's, like, consistent and maybe, like, just, I don't know, make it work better this time yeah. around, like, that's great. I love that. Have you guys had any new epiphanies about just debating how much doing that uh, gen splitting will hurt them in the end? The idea that, like, well, this year could be huge for Halo Infinite, but I'll just play it on my Xbox One. Just having things be so fluid between generations. It's it's such a cool idea, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. how much is it going to hurt enthusiasm out of the gate? I don't think it'll hurt it much. I mean, we kind of had it last gen, but everyone was still, you know, eager to get... You know, yeah, Xbox so if they're going one. up against Horizon Zero Dawn 2, though, and that's not playable on PS4. Sure. What's that? We don't know that for sure, though. Like, Which? We, that they're going to be up against Horizon Zero. No, but that's um, just but, a whatever, whatever, whatever Sony is has at launch. Right. Astrobot 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's going to be a weird, confusing message. I, I understand the hype train's going to get rolling, and it might not be... You know, a haymaker and do a lot of damage, but still, like it's in the back of everybody's mind of like, well, I have well, a system right now where I can I mean, play that thing. But I mean, weren't the One X and PS4 Pro like both significant and like big hits? Like people just want the best, the biggest and the best. If if you're yeah. like a hardcore gamer, you want the best thing you can get. Like casual so that gamers, white Wii U never sold. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, honestly, but I sure. mean, like the casual gamer, the person who is like, oh, I want to play Halo, but I have an Xbox One. I'm not too worried about it. They're not probably going to play Halo Infinite until like six or seven months after release anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't I think it will still be feel like a new generation. And, you know, even if the games are kind of backwards compatible between the two. Or, yeah. You know. Also, I imagine like, you know, it plays into Microsoft's larger strategy of being more software based than hardware based at this point, because, you know, like they, they want they, I think they're making the gambit that they want Halo Infinite to sell as much as possible and not sort of uh, limit its sales by, like, it being on a new console and the installments right. of a new console. Yeah, for sure. You know, and there's a lot of criticism on Sony's end for being like, hey, where are your PlayStation 5 details? Why are you being so quiet? I get it. I'm very excited to learn about that stuff, too. But I also feel like at the same time, outside of having the big February event, which I think some people expected, and apparently it's not happening because we're at the end of February now, mm. it's like, what could they do release another wired article do you want them to release the equivalent of this blog just on the playstation blog and just have just a couple more techie details sure yeah is that like what's the stopgap between now and what you know about the ps5 versus just the big unveiling here's an hour live stream showing everything like how much can they trickle out in that time Mm. i think it's kind of tight right i guess i could show the hardware maybe yeah but like you can i think you want to save that for the big reveal though Still, you could have hardware reveal and then software reveal. I feel like that's yeah. an easy split. They kind of did last time mm-hmm. around with E3 versus the the February event. So that's yeah. one way they could kind of divvy yeah. it up. Yeah, but I I don't miss this kind of announcement because this kind of announcement doesn't do a lot for me. I yeah. think a company can say, yeah, twelve teraflops, sixteen teraflops. Like I I think most gamers have known for multiple generations now that what we can actually tell in terms of what games are going to look like because of these specs is always a little iffy even even come even the you know like the outlets that really dive deep into these hardwares that's usually their same conclusion as well of like well you know like digital foundry will always they'll they do great hardware breakdowns and stuff but it's consoles are so specific and so you know tailor-made for what they do that it's hard to it's hard to compare that to what a PC with similar specs will 
you yeah, know, like, performance. It, their and, conclusion is not like, well, this is like 5.8 teraflops of graphics we're seeing on the screen right now. Like, that's not ever their conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's just like, does it look nice? So these are the recommended settings that you should have for, you know, if you're running it on yeah. PC or and, whatever. And it's always, the conclusion is always just kind of, we're going to have to wait and see how these games actually look like once it's out. And so I don't get a ton out of this. It's nice having some of those some of that information confirmed and the things like, you know, being able to quick or, you mm -hmm. know, save multiple games like that. Those kind of details are interesting, but I guess I don't think that Sony has to, you know, trip over themselves in order to get out specs at this point. Right, right. Uh, I feel like the undercurrent at this point, and we talked about it a little bit with Last of Us 2 and Sony dropping out of PAX and now GDC and also Koji Pro dropping out of GDC, but the coronavirus, it's... I think quickly becoming the biggest news story in the year, obviously huge in other areas, but just in the gaming landscape. Like at the end of the year when we do our top news story, like the impacts of the coronavirus might be number one because there is a decent chance. I mean, from, you know, I'm no expert, but like now is the time when they should be creating all the hardware for next generation. And if all, all, of, these all of these factories in China are shut down, Mm -hmm. There's a chance there could be a delay of next gen or like yeah. a weird trickle launch in like certain regions, that type of thing. Like yeah. I, there's a very good chance at this point, I mean, which that, is crazy. That could be why we don't know much about PS5 at this point is because they're kind of like holding their breath to make sure that... Because they don't want to get infected? Well, they don't want to... <laughs> yeah, that too, right? But they don't want to like make promises about hardware that they're not going to be able to deliver because... You know, the factories are just simply not available to manufacture these things. But by the know? time they would have been planning the February event, I mean, Corona was... Still in some evil laboratory, I believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, But now, certainly, if yeah, they had yeah. it, I could see them being like, well, let's not promise anything because this might end up being like a spring 2021 or whenever the mm -hmm. world heals itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or if they were waiting to learn more information about what the Xbox is going to offer. Right. You know, if, if there are hardware you know, components that they haven't locked down yet because they were waiting to to you know base those on what the competition is offering mm -hmm. then they could be in a tight squeeze in terms of what manufacturing can start supporting right you know? right wild times and you think about like the ramifications of if next gen is delayed like what that means for a lot of different things gamestop like it gets complicated thinking about like oh my god this could really have a huge impact if this thing continues to spread right mm -hmm. yeah. um hey this mega man collection Serial, uh, do you want to explain what this is and why we should be excited? Uh, well, it, com it compiles six Mega Man games, Mega Man Zero, one through four, and Mega Man ZX and Advent, ZX Advent, which were basically the games that Capcom released, uh, the Mega Man games that Capcom released on the GBA and DS. Uh, and they, I think for a while, these this was concurrent with the Mega Man Battle Network series, right? Right. And kind of its permutations. But this was basically, this was a more direct continuation of Mega Man X than uh, Battle Network ever was. It was pretty wild. I honestly, I'm, I love Battle Network. I love Legends. And I like Mega Man 2 a lot. And like that's, and Mega Man Soccer. And that's like my, <laughs> Mega, and the old TV show. And, and Battle and Chase. <laughs> that's right. And that's about it. So like jumping into these games, like, I have never seen these. And I jumped right into Z3 because everybody online was saying that that was the best one. Oh, okay, like, okay. What is this lore? It's like the elf wars going on and X is coming back, but he has like a weird stutter. Like there is a confusing amount of lore and characters that I had no idea existed in the Mega Man universe in yeah. these games. Yeah. It's weird. I, pl I played through most of Zero and I played through a little bit of ZX uh, and it's weird how those two series are both about like legacy and the impact of like 
past generations because the whole premise of zero is that uh this is a hundred years after x basically yeah or well, after the x series not exactly sure what point in the timeline it is but uh the idea is that the this one lady finds um zero 100 years and he kind of she kind of revives him and it, he's kind of amnesia so he doesn't remember and like x is the bad guy uh he's, he's trying to like you know he's kind of locking down he's being kind of like a an autocrat and and you know being that kind of guy and, and you, how does it make you feel kyle see your baby boy intrigue <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. uh and so, like, the idea is that he made all these replicas of himself, which are different, like, different colors. Like, it's like a black Mega Man or a green Mega Man, a blue Mega Man, well, like a more aquatic blue Mega Man. Sure. Uh, and, and then a red Mega Man. They all have the red gem in their forehead. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, and then, so that, that there's a whole struggle between Zero and X. And then in ZX, uh, you, like, it's the it's these two characters who have no relation to Mega Man or Zero, but they are kind of like the chosen ones to receive these suits that are modeled after Mega Man and Zero. So it's Vent or Ale, or you can choose to be yeah. the, the boy or the girl. And yeah. yeah, and then so then the other permutations of the suit that you get are are those four replicas. There's like a green one that has wings, which is like what the green one had, black yeah. one, and then like a blue one that is aquatic. And so it's about like revering the past in these really weird ways. Um, which is like kind of interesting uh, attack for them to take because it like X always felt like the running through line of X for me was always like when are, when are when is this going to collide with Mega Man like the regular right. series because you know like there with it being called Mega Man X there was always the implication that it was Mega Man Ten or something like which is they never said right but it's like you just kind of make that and you just kind of infer that well if so, you watch like, the old cartoon X and Mega Man do meet and it's a very triumphant true. moment and that's a hundred percent canon uh, but like. Uh, that that is it leans into what I like about Mega Man like latter day Mega Man X games where they like the the storylines and the lore gets super bonkers. Uh, you love that? I I think it's kind of a cool place for them to go. Can you explain uh, what the Elf Wars are about? Well, there are these things called cyber elves that are like program. Well, I don't. It it would take too long to get, uh, <laughs> but it's like. Uh, but like gameplay wise, I think it's it. Uh, they kind of build on X, so it's like you have dashes, you have wall dashes, things like that. Yeah. Uh, eventually, in ZX, you get an air dash, which is pretty cool. Um, and so like I, I kind of, I feel like this, the combat in in Zero and ZX is maybe better because you focus on the the saber stuff. Um, so like you have a three hit combo, and then like you have a lot of like. Figuring out how to best max- maximize damage against bosses. It's less about like finding the the elemental weakness of like, oh, I beat this boss, so now I can go beat this boss. And more like, I've just acquired like the lightning affinity for weapons, and that'll be effective against multiple bosses. Right, Kyle, uh, are you playing this too? Yeah. What oh, do you yeah. think? So I have a, I should like be as an, as much of an expert as Serial is at this point, because like Zero is a sequel to X. Like it, it truly is. Yeah. Like it picks, it it continues that storyline. But when it came out on Game Boy Advance originally, like I just could not get into it. I don't know why. And I and it's a game that I've returned to like often. Like right. when it came out on um, uh, 3DS, I downloaded it and tried it again. When it came out on Wii U, I bought it and I tried it again. And this is the first time that I've made like real progress in the game. Oh, I'm nice. almost, and I'm almost done with it. What uh, what click this time? I think um, the well, I, the thing for me was like mm-hmm. I just looked up a walkthrough for like the first hour. Just to get over that first big hurdle, because it is a hard game. Yes, yeah. but I should point out that in this collection, the godsend for me is they have casual baby mode where it's like, oh, just enjoy the story, which sounds yeah. like, okay, what is this, like a Bioshock game? And I turned it on, and it's like most of the minor enemies are one-hit kill. Yeah. But then it's like the bosses still take a little bit of work. I found like it was a perfect level of difficulty for a Mega Man yeah. idiot like myself. Well, that, the other thing that it has, because there's two modes, there's one that just lets you add save points. 
basically. Yeah. Like yeah. you keep the main difficulty, but it just adds save points, which I really love. That's really smart. Like mm-hmm. I love that because it is it is like if you want to go the purest route, like you you want to leave those off. And but the thing that it really helps with is like the checkpoint system in Mega Man Zero is not great. Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't get dropped right by the boss to try again. But if you turn this on, you can do that. So, like, you still get the joy of, like, figuring out the weaknesses mm-hmm. and, like, memorizing the patterns and yeah. stuff like that. But it just removes this, like, you know, I don't know, eight minutes of gameplay where you have to, like, sprint through the level again. Yeah. And so, like, that has just made it so much more interesting and, and so much more enjoyable for me. And I'm almost I'm almost done with Zero One. So, and I, like, it's it's, like, it's honestly embarrassing that I haven't given this series we're all yeah. thinking it yeah i mean I w- honestly yeah it, it is structured a little differently in that like it's not like you don't have a, a boss select screen and you go to the missions it's, yeah it's sort of a little bit more like metroidvania in that you are you are given a mission and it's like okay go complete the mission and it'll be in this part of the world and uh but you can traverse like between missions you can kind of traverse that entire area however you want like when i first played it on game boy advance that was the thing that really threw me off because mm-hmm. i was like wait am i supposed to go find these missions on my own and i would like go explore the larger sort of yeah. hub area and i couldn't like find anything and like it was just those little hurdles that like like gave me problems right but the zx games though those i played a lot more yeah i don't think i finished them but i like got right up to the end on both of those that was yeah. the biggest shock to me is i yeah. jumped into z3 which you know was a mistake on my part mm-hmm. and then said okay l4's lower no thanks <laughs> and then jumped into zx like i should see what it looks like on ds i had never even Looked at those games or never my radar, and I really like ZX. I yeah, yeah. Like, it's cool. I think this holds up pretty well. I, I, I think like they they do an interesting job of like trying to turn Mega Man games into these Metroidvania games. So like in Zero, the idea is that like instead of like oh you found a sub tank, you find a fairy that is like or a cyber, a cyber elf, elf. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that uh, you feed like these energy bits that you collect as you kill enemies, and then that's what turns into your sub tank. So there's a lot of like I guess optional grinding that you can yeah. do to just ki- ki- like farm stuff to get those energy crystals so you can feed your like cyber elves so you can get health upgrades even. I mean that was and even that was one of those things that just when I was younger playing on Game Boy Advance just became a hurdle for me because yeah. I was like, well I know how X works, like where's the where are the sub tanks, where right. are the heart pieces? And then it was like it was only now kind of like, well how do I expand health and looking that up and I was like, oh I have to find this cyber elf and then I have to feed it bits and stuff right. like it's not really well explained so, yeah. in the game so that know? stuff isn't great and then i think the in zx i think the map system i think is bad uh, yes like it's, I, it's, it's like i you, could yeah. really use some more details there even like i got to a point where it's like okay now to teleport back to the main hq or whatever after you completed missions because you're like taking on different tasks and stuff mm-hmm. and then it's like i forget where i'm supposed to be going for this i guess i'll right. just wander yeah. around for a bit they'll, like they'll tell you like hey uh this mission is in area e1 yeah. And it won't be on your map, right? So you have to go explore. But it's like it. you would think, okay, well, to get to area D, what area would you – would you? what area do you think would connect to D, to E? C. C? <laughs> Did you well, say you, you e jumped back D? and forth 14 yeah. times. Sorry. Okay. You're saying two you different times. You want to go the to area The next letter. A. The next letter. <laughs> right. Or the previous letter. Right. But it, like, that's not, it, it, doesn't it doesn't work, work that, that way. way. Yeah, Jeff, I'm your fool. Why? What did you understand? So you'll like – Go and explore and try to figure out where area E is, and it's not next to area D is, yeah. is the thing. So it's kind of like this frustrating, well, okay, well, I guess I have to just look up a, a map and see, like, okay, well, I guess this area. And they'll tell you, like, it's in the residential district, but it's like you haven't codified it as the residential district. You just yeah. said it's area, like, C3. Yeah. But there's yeah. dumb stuff that I like, too, where it's like the residential district, you laugh at that. But it's cool because you can transform, right? Because you get, oh, the power of Mega Man X or whatever. So you're just like this little human who can crawl around and crawl underneath things. And you transform into cool-looking Mega Man to blast stuff. But then when you're Mega Man, people in the residential district, like, won't talk to you. They're like, oh, you're a weirdo. Then you have to transform into a human to actually have conversations. So it's like, 
I think I'm just a sucker for transformations in mm. any media and like the yeah. idea of like, ah, power is overwhelming and then you turn into <laughs> Mega Man. I think that stuff's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've i been enjoying it. Like I've, you know, I played uh, both Zero and ZX just to get a hang of both. I like, it's weird how, I think, is this the first game that maps the DS touchscreen to like a 2D <laughs> interface? Because like, it is really the world weird. ends with you just like kind of emitted it entirely. Because it so was it's on the right hand side of the screen and right. on the right stick you can kind of you, yeah use the right stick at. to move it around and you press ZR to, to click, which I haven't used it at all in ZX yet, but maybe later on you do. But it's it's weird to see someone like it. This feels like you're playing some sort of ROM hack where they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, we could yeah. we didn't we, it was either this or like ha- have it be like the vertical view, which doesn't work well on a monitor. So this is kind of what we went with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. I also just want to point out, like across that whole series, Zero and ZX, I think it's like some of my favorite Mega Man art, like period. Yeah. Like I like the pixel art a lot. I love the way Zero looks dashing into like a sword swipe. Mm, yeah. And like I like the uh, sort of the portraits for all the characters and stuff. It just has like a weird. I don't know. It almost feels like darker than X in a, in a weird way. A I mean, bit. it is like post-apocalyptic, so I don't know, but I... How quickly did you go to the menu to turn off their smoothing, which they default on? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it was in the X collection, too, which yeah. is like such a weird thing. But like, I've always, even though Zero was this series that I struggled with in the past, like the art I've always really loved, and I love the way that game looks. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you guys want from the future of Mega Man? X9. <laughs> well, of that's, course. Th- that's, see, that's the thing, is that like this made me think that like, the reason Mega Man was around until it was was like because it was mixing the nostalgic with like new entries, right? So even as like um, Mega Man X was going on, you got Mega Man Eight. So like they would stagger classic Mega Mans with mm-hmm. new renditions. So like while Mega Man X was going on, you got Mega Man, X, you got Mega Man Eight, Mega Man Eight and Nine were kind of after the Battle Network and the Mega Man Zero stuff. But we haven't had that like new form of Mega Man since like this in like 2007. I don't think we've gotten like a Here's here's what Mega Man looks like now. There's yeah, not like yeah. a reboot. Well, or like anything. eleven doesn't count for like the visual well, that's overhaul. It, like, that's I don't think that's an overhaul though because it's Mega Man Eleven. I'm I'm talking sure, about there visually. being like another series of like another branch of Mega yeah. Man. Like every generation right. has Mega like, Man. Yeah, like, like a new version yeah. of Mega Man that is different, like wildly different, both like visually and in a gameplay sense from the rest of it. So you would want a new branch. I would want to see. Yeah, I would want to see them like not feel so tethered to the idea of like, well, we have to make it a Mega Man game and just say like, this is a game that has Mega Man. A new Mega Man in it and so we're like taking some ideas for Mega Man but also just using the Mega Man license as a way to you know make a new game maybe explore okay let's just go full Metroidvania with this Mega Man something like that yeah let's go back and actually make Mega Man universe and that weird weird thing which I maybe was involved with by the way (laughs) they made that debut trailer which is very confusing but while they're doing that yeah they can have Mega Man X9 for me that is not like seven or eight because those (laughs) games are bad and you would take X9 over 12 in a heartbeat yeah, no, yeah. I don't like original Mega Man. Actively really? dislike. The only, Actively dislike. The only Mega Man game that I've beaten is Eleven. Wow. Yeah, X, X is changes everything, man. The dash and I mean, it's the dash and the wall jump just make yeah. Those, so those two things playable. make you feel so much more maneuverable and like yeah. even playing Mega Man. In it's 11, hard to go back for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, like the movement just feels so stilted by comparison to me. Yeah. Right. It's very weird. Uh, back at Game Informer, I went on the Mega Man Eleven cover story, which was just. As a cream dream thrill of a lifetime, as some people say. Um, it was just fantastic to like talk to so many old school Capcom developers who haven't done too many interviews. That's where we interviewed uh, like Oda, who was the director of Eleven. And he goes back. I mean, he directed Resident Evil Zero, but then he was the one who talked about, we were talking about like his work on the first Resident Evil. He's like, yeah, back when I started on it, we were working on Resident Evil for the Super Nintendo. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> just like these old school developers, like no one's ever talked about this dude. And he's just letting it all fly. Um but his message, which was really interesting, and also uh, Sachuyo, who is the producer of the game, they're like, 
Mega Man 11, this is not a trial balloon. Like, we're not just sending it out there to see maybe the world wants new Mega Man. Like, their message was, we have had to fight like hell internally. There's been a lot of reboots, but now Mega Man is back for good, mm. was their message. And it's been a while now. 2018, I guess, Mega Man 11 came yeah. out. Then the Cartoon Network show that we all loved. Uh, powered yeah. Up, I wrote down. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Fully Charged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, there's only one season of that. It just quietly I died. Watched, like the first episode. It, it's totally distinct. Like, it has nothing to do with the games or anything. Yeah. It's weird. Also, it totally stinks. At that time. Uh, yeah. How are sales for 11? It ended up selling over a million, okay. which is like, you know, a game that budget didn't seem too intense. It was probably a lot of R&D for the robots to actually get it up to that point. Mm-hmm. But like now that they have that tech there, you think that they could get back somewhat in that old groove of maybe not a Mega Man every year, but Mega Man every two years I can see, yeah. right? But I, yeah, I would love that, like that, the approach they took to 11, I wouldn't want X9 to look like that, like have that yeah. cartoony look, but I would just like that sort of, I guess you could say like attitude towards re- bringing back Mega Man where it's like very, you know, looking toward the original entry, mm-hmm. not trying to mix it up too much. Like, I would love that. But add X9. something like the equivalent of the gear system into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, yeah. no, don't don't play with it too much. Like, get that sort of standard X gameplay that I like. But, you know. Although now thinking about it, like, what would Capcom have for launch of New Generation? If Resident Evil 3 is out before New Generation, uh, I mean, I could see them just turning oh. around Mega Man 12 just to have something at the launch. Well, Maybe. How where's Monster Hunter at? I mean, I guess Iceborne's Iceborne just came, came out, out not right? too long ago. So the director yeah. of Monster Hunter World has been working on something in secret. Seems like obviously the successor, you know, Monster Hunter World Two, whatever the hell they end up calling it. But I could see that taking another year or so. Yeah. But yeah. What the hell do I know? Um, but I don't know. I want them to be more bold, come up with something. Obviously, my dream is that they go back and revisit Mega Man Legends Three. Yeah, and they uh, tried that. Well, I said they tried. <laughs> I want to go back and watch those 3DS trailers, by the way. By the way, another highlight from that trip was, uh, God, I'm trying to remember. I was talking to the art director, I believe, for Mega Man 11, and I was at his uh, desk, and he was like showing off all this Mega Man 11 art and stuff. And then he said that he designed a lot of the Reaver bots for Mega Man Legends. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I love Mega Man Legends. It's one of my favorite games. And he's like, oh, oh. And then he goes in a folder and just pulled up an entire folder of Mega Man Legends 3 art. Capcom's <laughs> like, don't, please, no, no. It was, like, it was all the old stuff, you know. But yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, I still have this. Like, clearly, he was so proud of it. I was like, oh, my God, it's uh, right there. Anyways. I mean, yeah, they drew it all. The next step is very easy, right? Just- it's right there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Vitamin Connection, Kyle. Yeah. This is from WayForward, our dear friends at WayForward, who quietly just keep churning yeah. out a boatload of games but you i don't know i feel like you wouldn't know it's a way forward game though because i mean they ha- they sort of they do a lot of different stuff but they do kind of have a distinct style throwback yeah and, and in this, this one it's different. like it's like a throwback to um a nintendo switch launch title is what it feels like <laughs> I saw it would have been a great launch title yeah. somebody was yeah. talking about that online that it feels like a launch title they're totally right so it's a switch exclusive it's called vitamin connection and it looks like one of my favorite games which i cannot pronounce and i'm sorry maybe you can help me jeff i'm uh, Karoo Karoo Karin is how I've always pronounced it. Game Boy Advance rotating stick game. Do you feel confident in your Japanese enough to be able to pronounce Where it? Where is it? Uh, okay, hang on. Karoo. How would you pronounce that in flawless Japanese? Kuru. In front of the mic, please. Kuru Kuru Kururin. Okay, great. There we go. Flawless. Anyways, uh, so it kind of looks like a rotating stick, except it's a Joy-Con split in half. Where it's like, okay, pink and blue, and then also, hey, you're a pill. 
going inside a human body. Yeah, there's a nice disclaimer at the beginning that's like, don't take a lot of pills. Like, this is not quite how this works, but uh, please enjoy the game. <laughs> that's right. And you're fighting <laughs> off uh, viruses and a bunch of stuff. It's very Corona-themed. Uh, great timing for Wayboard. <laughs> they really know what they're doing. Like Corona the beer or Corona the virus? Oh, the virus. Oh, the virus. Okay. What's the difference, I say? <laughs> hey. I mean, anyway. Pretty significant, I think, is the answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> yeah, right on. Do you think the people over at Corona were like, what the <laughs> hey, any, any this marketing good is good us? marketing. Like, yeah. uh, brand awareness, I guess. But it's like, <laughs> oh, no. Um, but it feels like a snipper clips. Or yeah, it feels that. like Affordable Space Adventures, which is one of the most underrated Wii U games. Remember that one, yeah. Kyle? Oh, yeah. Um, I so, it. designed to be co op, ideally. Have you been playing it co op? I played it by myself and showed it to my daughter and said, oh, cool. We should play this. And she said, I like the music and walked away. Because <laughs> the music is very J-pop out yeah, of the gate, it, at least. It yeah. makes you think of, it's not like Katamari, but I just like really bright and colorful and yeah. like happy music. It, it made me think of Katamari in that way, you know? This is a prime contender for probably a new category we should put at the end of the year, which is a game I want to love a lot more than I do. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, yeah, yeah. I, this is right up my alley, some funky, weird thing. Weird co-oping. Yeah. yeah. Did you try co-op at all? Yeah, I tried both. Okay. Um, so... If you're playing it solo, I feel like it's a little too simple. It's like, okay, the map kind of looks like a Metroidvania. Maybe it's going to be navigating, learning new things. I was expecting some spin tension, you know, like our best... You don't have to explain it. We know what you mean when you say well, spin kuru, tension. Kuru, kuru, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted some navigational yeah. tension or something. Or it's just kind of... Kuru, 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 like you're, you're spinning on its own, right? You're constantly spinning? Yeah, so you can spinning. speed it up a little Where bit. Where this, it's just like you're manually rotating. So you have yeah, to okay. rotate around as you're navigating the small intestines of this person. Yeah. Um... But it just feels a little bit too barren and simple. And then I kept running into like, okay, the boss fights especially feel like I need two people to do this. Because it's like dividing. There's one mode where it's like dividing the screen into two. And it's kind of like a rhythm game that seems like it's designed for like two people. Like you do this, then you do this. And when you're one person glancing back and forth, it's kind of a mess. And then later on as you progress in the game, you get a grappling hook, which has objectively the worst controls I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> okay. Like It is just a nightmare. And it's like, okay, I need to tap out because this is designed for two people. So then went back, tried to play it uh, co-op. My gaming partner was not the not the strongest gamer in the world. So it's a little bit tricky, but it's like one person kind of aims the beam. The other person can fire it. Okay. One person can rotate, stuff like that. And they have this, one of the boss fights is like, um, you kind of have to navigate things by having a reachy yeah, hand, like one. an extend a hand thing. Yeah. And when you're playing it co-op, the controls for it are just, bonkers where it uses the ir sensor on the switch and you like put your hand over the ir sensor and then you determine the length of your stretchy arm hand by moving your hand away from the ir sensor so it's like this weird motion that i've never done in a game right of just okay not too far but then you got to get closer so it's a good funky switch game if you're into that was that an early was that like the second boss fight or is this much later um it's I'm trying Pretty to figure out early. if I got to it. I think you did, but if you're playing single player, it's not a thing. I was playing single player, and I was playing on the Switch Lite, which doesn't have the IR sensor, I think. Oh. So, like, it didn't even, like, wasn't even an option. Weird. But think. in single player, it's just, like, standard controls okay, for gotcha. press the button to extend the thing. But yeah. So, yeah. Vitamin Connection, I think I'll probably keep playing with it. It it's seems neat. like co-op's the way to go. Yeah. Um, but not, not the most glamorous project in the end. But, hey, Vitamin Connection. Pretty cool. Serial, uh, you're a platinum guy, right? Sure. Did you see this Project GG stuff today? Yeah, it was a, 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 mostly a CG trailer. Right? I don't think they showed any gameplay, right? Project CG. 
Pro- yeah, that's right. <laughs> Project CG, which I guess was like a, a very, you know, it seems like a very classic Ultraman premise where, you know, the city's under attack by a giant monster and, but you don't see, you don't get to see anything. It's almost like they haven't fully developed all the assets that they, <laughs> that they need for them to show you, actually show you what, what these things look like. But it's like uh, a, a city's under attack by a monster. There's a dog that's, you know, about to die. And then uh, some, a man steps <laughs> in or someone steps in. Uh, and protects it, and then eventually they do a thing, and then they turn into a giant Ultraman-sized character. Right, they have tech on the screen saying, Hero of Steel! Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that it is the conclusion to the Hero Trilogy from Hideki Kamiya, which is strange. Okay, so this uh, is where it gets confusing, yeah. So it's directed by Kamiya, which is very exciting. One of the, I think one of the strongest track records in video game directing history, yeah. going back to... Resident Evil 2, Beautiful Joe, we were just talking about on last week's podcast. Yeah. Um, it's weird that they, like, they have, like, here, produced by this character. Like, they almost wanted it to be a stinger that it was directed by Hideki Kamiya, where yeah. it's like, here's the producer, and then this is the director, and everyone's supposed to go, like, oh, my God, it's Hideki Kamiya. But then, yeah, the way they frame it is, this is the powerful climax to the Hideki Kamiya superhero trilogy. So it's like, yeah. oh, okay, so it's in the same vein as A Beautiful Joe or A Wonderful 101. Yeah, which is weird because, like, Beautiful Joe got a sequel. There there are multiple Beautiful Joe No, this games. is the powerful climax. And then they connect it even more by saying at the end, Project GG, a go-go, which is yeah. a very Beautiful Joe reference in there and stuff. So some sort of Godzilla-esque Ultraman yeah. battling game seems which to be the core of it. Interesting. Because uh, I, I, I never played uh, Wonderful 101, so I don't know what like what elements it's taking from that other than like being very hero-inspired. Right. Um, but I'm curious to see what this ends up being because yeah. they have the, that website with the four announcements and first one was uh, Wonderful 101 Remastered and then this is the second one and then they mentioned that the, the last two are not remasters. So it's like... Oh, really? It, they're both... These are original games and I think he mentioned something like... Um, the last one is quote unquote interesting, which is kind of throwing the other one, the third one, uh, kind of a uh, stick with uh, us, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this one, will, this next one will be interesting. This one, not so much. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see what else they have. I'm I'm guessing neither of them are anything to do with Babylon's Fall because they already announced that. Oh right, yeah, that uh, game. Uh, they also say that in regards to Project GG, it's quote unlike any of the games we've made so far. It's going to be a 100% platinum games title for every from everything. For everything from its setting and characters to its game design and story to how it's promoted, Platinum Games is in full control. Wait, so that feels like an oxymoron, right? How so? Like, they're saying it's going to be a Platinum game. Yeah. Like, everything you love about Platinum is going to be in this game, but it's going to be unlike anything we've made so far. I think it's more speaking to like this is we're self-publishing this. We're yeah. not. Is it, it's like, more just on the publishing side that they're yeah. like pitching. That us? it's yes. like we are okay. doing with this game whatever we want. You know, versus, okay. versus right. like this is the the platinum game you've come to know and love. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Uh, you also see the announcement on Wednesday. Harmonix Fuser. I missed this one. Oh, I love Harmonix, uh, and it's a very odd announcement where they are basically making a new game, which is always great, but it's. Basically, just a drop mix, except you can play with a controller. Like there are no cards. Where it's, okay, it's about being a DJ, remixing things, taking requests from the crowd, which is very exciting. But like after several years of playing drop mix, like I've been, I've been doing this for a while. Like I guess doing it on a controller will be less intuitive. So hey, there's an option. I guess. I don't know, maybe people are intimidated by buying cards. And I stuff, think that's probably yeah. just a way for them to kind of repurpose the tech. I believe like NCSoft is publishing it, but. Yeah. Cool to see. I'm always yeah. rooting for harmonics in a big way, but just go out and buy drop mix. It's like I, ten bucks everywhere. I do mm-hmm. wonder though if it, if it being like a, a more traditional video game means that they're gonna 
make it like a campaign, you know, very, like, they said like, there was a like campaign a in yeah. there. So yeah. cool. maybe that's what they're focusing on versus just like the the pure creation and the physicality of the cards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They had a couple different modes of drop mix, but yeah, I hear you. Um, Kyle, did you see that Kotaku Star Wars article? Mm-hmm. Jason Schreier. Yeah. Uh, our hero and savior uh, had a new article talking about a new exciting Star Wars game that we will never see. Yeah. It <laughs> okay. was another, it was a battlefront. I always, I always get field and front mixed up. Battlefront spinoff that was going to be kind of open world. Criterion was going to be involved. So so it was EA Vancouver primarily developing yeah. it, and then they brought in Criterion, and Criterion wanted to put more of a story emphasis on it, but they say yeah. open world elements, but based on so I guess Battlefront 2's kind of tech and design. Yeah. With Criterion there, maybe you're, the idea was you're getting into fun Star Wars vehicles and driving around. They I don't insist. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it actually goes back to their... Project race game for me through 2014, whatever that was called, where you're going to hang glider as a Wookiee. You got everything there. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Let's play it. <laughs> um, but not going to happen. Uh, canceled. Canceled. And EA was trying to do what we we're talking about with Capcom earlier of like, hey, according to this Kotaku article, that EA said, hey, we need something at the launch of new gen. We scrapped the last open world game, which took some of the assets coming from Amy Hennig's game, which it's a confusing Star Wars saga here. Um, more confusing than Rise of Skywalker, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so took some of those <laughs> elements, canceled that game, tried to make this smaller game with open world elements, and now that one is also canceled. Yeah, so there's just no Star Wars game <laughs> at launch. We'll never see another Star Wars game again. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an odd saga, but uh, in a very Shrier-like way. He always leaves these very juicy nuggets, like, well, this is common knowledge, but it's still fun to see. But he's like, so yeah, it turns out the only two Star Wars games in development now are... Uh, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel at Respawn, which, you know, we all assumed is coming. It sold so yeah, well. Yeah, but no like, confirmation. Oh, yeah, cool right? to see yeah. Kotaku confirmation. And then also what he calls a, quote, more unusual project from EA Motive. Super Bombad Racing 2? Super Bombad <laughs> Racing 2. I'm so curious about what that could be. What's the studio? EA Motive. So okay. they uh, worked on Battlefront 2. Like, Mitch Dyer from Live IGN is up oh, there sure, in sure. Montreal. Yeah. Uh, their studio is, for a fun, full connection, where Mass Effect Andromeda was developed, like visiting that studio again, is like, oh, Yamoto's right there. Also, fun fact, goes back to where Army of Two Devils Cartel was developed, so all those fans out there know that this is the exact same space. But they've been <laughs> quiet since the launch of Battlefront 2. Like, I know there's been a yeah. lot of updates along the way. But they're but... probably not involved with that, right? Because they were, like, focused on the campaign. Right. right, and this was the studio that, like, Jade Raymond was involved with for a long time. She recently left to go to Oculus, though. Yeah. Um. So it's probably that new... I mean, they were talking talking about for a while it was a new ip but i'm hoping it's some weird new storytelling centric uh take yeah. on star wars that's story focused seems like a safe bet right i think so yeah do yeah you, do you think it'll have anything to do with the uh the high republic stuff that star wars rolled out yeah so that's interesting oh. you want to explain what that is so i guess they just announced that they're they're I, I don't know what it is exactly but it's like an initiative across like i guess multiple forms of media that they're going to focus on like the the I want to say it is old republic right like the old so republic it's not era. so it's so confusing. it's even further back so no, no high republic I don't middle. understand why this is confusing surreal okay. high republic <laughs> is two hundred years more confusing than rise of skywalker yeah, so where where do the cyber elves fit in <laughs> <laughs> so this is two hundred years before the skywalker saga old republic is thousands of years oh, okay that's why it's called old remember oh. that's why they're all walking around and be like oh. the old republic here <laughs> I know that I'm old yeah so this is like what a lot of people thought one of the new films was going to be. Because I think there were some whisperings about like High Republic, High Republic, this is a thing. And I thought, I think everybody online also was like, oh, that's genius. Because then they can have like younger Yoda, not baby Yoda, but just have Yoda (laughs) as like some connecting tissue. Then the confusing thing is 
Star Wars revealed this YouTube video and also a post all about, hey, High Republic, it's going to be this exciting new era. We brought a bunch of storytellers to tell new stories, but it's just for, here we go. It will be explored through multiple voices in adult and young adult novels, children's books, and comics from a variety of publishers. It's like, oh, it's just for like their books at this point? For words? Mm -hmm. But then they also say... Uh, it'll be set in an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith about 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace. This period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap with any of the filmed features or series currently planned for production, giving creators of, and partners a vast amount of room to tell Star Wars stories. So it doesn't okay. say anything about games, but yeah. it's interesting that they make a point that like yeah. this is not where any of the films in development right now are set, which Would is you, kind of a bummer to me. Yeah, because I think that... I think coming out of Rise of Skywalker definitely felt like, okay, I'm ready for them to do something else than in the Star Wars universe that has nothing to do with these characters, which I would have been okay with. Or like even just have something like The Mandalorian, which is set during that timeline, but doesn't necessarily have the stakes or involvement of like, you know, the, the a lot of Force stuff and, you know, that lineage. Um, but yeah, I guess if they're going to say, well, what we're, we're actually doing with, you know, the movies and series and stuff, that's it, these two things are basically separate. Like that yeah. seems like a little bit of a bummer. I wonder if they're just waiting for something to bubble up from that. Like, they're like, here's the initiative. We got all these creators doing stuff, and then they're just going to kind of watch it and see if something sort of, like, comes something up to the top. Popular. Yeah. yeah. And, and now we're like, going to base we'll a game on that it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ryan Johnson, get in here. Make that trilogy you're <laughs> always talking about. I still want that to happen. I do you wouldn't want to put money on it? No, I don't. I don't know if it's gonna happen. I mean, he's already said he's working on Knives Out too. But yeah, like, isn't that I mean, weird? I want those movies to exist. I love the idea of Johnson making more Star Wars movies. Yeah, or even if you bundle it and Feige from Marvel is producing. Yeah, his film is gonna be some fun, funky Tied overlap the going MCU. on there. Did you see that story on Wednesday that said, like Ryan Johnson said something about how apparently. Apple won't let villains use iPhones in their films. Really? No, yeah. I didn't see that. Did you this is like a weird note. Yeah, yeah. There's an article about they it. All, they're all Android users or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, weird. I saw I bootlegged Linux onto this thing. <laughs> Hiss. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kyle, Sonic the Hedgehog. Light spoilers. We're not going to spoil the ending, stuff like that. But just heads up that if you don't want to know anything about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, you might want to jump ahead. You guys have not seen it? Just I me and not, Hanson? I have not seen it. I plan yeah. to see it this weekend. But hang okay. on. Really? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Go see it. it. It's fun. My brother's in town. I'm going to go see it with him. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Uh, your take is it's fun, Kyle. I think it's fun. Yeah. Not a fan, personally. Not a fan? <laughs> I mean, it's not like a great movie. I'm not going to Not like... even the baby Sonic? I think... <laughs> that thing's dumb. Okay. There's so much to unpack here <laughs> yeah. about the Sonic the Hedgehog film. Let's start on the positive. Kyle, what did you like about it? The positive... Oh, you put me on the spot here. I mean... It... I think you I said, said it, was it was fun. fun. <laughs> I said it was fun. I, I mean, think you got low standards, dude. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the other thing is like maybe I maybe it was a matter of expectations. I went in with like the worst expectations and I was like, oh, okay, I'm engaged like throughout. Like, you know. I'm engaged. I am. Why are you insulting me for <laughs> having a good time in a movie? That's so insanely low for expectations. I just feel like this is kind of in the same bubble as Detective Pikachu. Yeah. And like I liked aspects of Detective Pikachu. I liked Pikachu uh, more, yeah. Yeah, I definitely did as well. Yeah. But I feel like people are like, oh, this is surprisingly good. It's like, guys, this is not... Mm, we need to yeah. set our bar a little higher than this Sonic the Hedgehog movie that is primarily like, about a cop trying to get to San Francisco. Like, yeah. Are you like, nuts? There are some uh, like running jokes that are funny. Like, what do you call them? Like, the, the donut master or something like that. Like, 
you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. And like Jim Carrey was entertaining. I, it's been a long time that that since we've seen Jim Carrey play that kind of character, just this really broad sort of goofball. You well, know, I did see Dumb and Dumber too, and it uh, maybe oh, yeah, I, I killed myself. One, maybe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is that, I think that was the highlight, right? Yeah. Is seeing oh Jim Carrey's trying to do something with this, but then like a lot of the jokes in the script, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. Like, thank God. He has the force of personality to kind of push through that. And even like Ben Schwartz at times, like, okay, I like his voice. I'm on board for this. But then when it's, oh, Sonic going into a tavern and starting a brawl, it's like, yeah. what is this? I just, I leaned over to my friend Ron and he was like, they could have written anything with yeah. the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. The fact that they're like, and this is a whole sequence where Sonic really wants to go into a bar and hang yeah, out and like, ride why, a why mechanical Why is he excited about going in there? It was just an excuse to have the... Um, what, 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 from the X-Men films, what's that character? The Quicksilver stuff. Just having a Quicksilver sequence, you know? So this is... My, okay. We're not going to spoil the end of the movie or any, like, huge Easter eggs, but yeah. take it with a grain of salt. Or not a grain of salt, but just everything is going to have some light spoilers for moments in Sonic. I hope that's okay. Does Surreal. baby Sonic die? I don't want to <laughs> say anything. But this is my main problem with this movie, is, like, they want to have the most cinematic, cool thing you can have, which is the Quicksilver stuff from, like, Days of Future Past yeah. of just, oh, okay, what if he just stopped time and he could go and tweak everybody and then when they're in the middle of a bar, like, brawl and then go over and tweak everybody, put people's hands up their own butts or whatever and then start time again and everyone's like, whoa, where am I? Like, it's a fun thing to look at. But there's a huge difference between a character that runs fast and a character that can literally stop time. And, like, this movie... Has it ever been established in any Sonic fiction in any way that this he is can... what you're hung up on? Yes, it's it's huge. It's everything. It? it makes no sense. He goes sense. really fast. There's a difference between running fast and being able to slow down time. I thought Quicksilver just ran fast. Quicksilver just runs fast, but he too. has like superpowers and stuff. So does Sonic. Quicksilver's superpower though is just moving fast. Yeah, he doesn't right? stop time. So is the implication then that Sonic the Hedgehog is living his second to second life? In that slow mo, he can turn it on and off. Well, that's, like that's the implication of that Quicksilver uh, yeah. scene is that like it's not he didn't slow down time. You are seeing the world through Quicksilver's that's eyes in exactly. that scene. So I always get the impression that that is how he's living his life. Right. So that it, so he's not slowing down time. He's just able he to think more quickly than anyone else. So I think he's he, able he can't to do possibly these... live his whole life like that. He turns. That would it's be a torturous. That he turns on. He, he there's a, there's an X Men comic that deals with this exact thing for yeah. like millions of years. Right. And that would be part of the lore then. That would factor into the character, the personality. But this yeah. is what I'm hung up on. It's the same thing. Of just, like, the idea that Sonic, he runs fast. And there's, like, cool scenes. Yeah. I genuinely think, like, the baseball scene where he's playing baseball with himself, like, yeah. that is a very fun scene. Yeah. I think it's very well done. But then the rest of the movie, when it's this nebulous thing of sometimes he can stop time and do whatever he wants, and sometimes he can't. That's, no, you are overthinking it, man. Like, for sure. Like, he just goes so fast that he perceives time. Like, it's... It, that it, doesn't... That's not the same thing. It doesn't make any sense. Well, in, or, are, in order to be able to, like, run as fast as he does, he'd have... Like, being able to run fast is one thing, but being able to, like, move out of the way of the obstacles the way he does, like, it's... Like, his mind would have to think a lot more quickly in order to move <laughs> through the city the way he does. I just want somebody who's an expert on physics, yeah. space-time continuum, please... Let us know yeah. I, I why just, that's the, a different thing, because I'm not smart enough to explain. There are other elements of that movie that are, are bad, for sure. I just think the this is jokes, I, think, yeah. I think this is a, it's a weird thing to me for you to get hung up on, because it's just like an excuse that he goes so fast that it creates a fun yeah, but, action sequence. It's well, confusing. You know? But while we're hung up on it, I mean, it is the whole premise is absurd, because even if you moved someone, if you're moving someone at a speed that's faster than moving a bullet, yes. you're basically hitting them yeah, faster yeah, than a true. bullet. So like they were just... 
crumple. Yeah, and, yeah. and their bones would turn to dust. Yeah, no, he yeah. does and that with multiple people in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on yeah. board. Uh, <laughs> he does murder yeah. a lot of people. I did. I like the sequence where they're getting chased down by Robotnik and the robots keep getting smaller and smaller. That's fine. I like that's when they cut joke. the roof off the truck. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. The um, that was, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is... It's... My expectations are... Like, you're right. Like, we should have higher standards for this stuff. But yes. the fact that there were moments where I like laughed and chuckled like that was enough for me to be like okay this is like I'm having a good time Ben Schwartz is a fun Sonic I probably chuckled four times throughout it it's like okay which is four times more than I expected for sure but like I just think people are like okay they redesigned it so now it's good Sonic now it's like these are this is still made by the people that had that original design Mm -hmm. and thought that was a good idea and I think that carries through like little things would drive me insane more so than the space time continuum but just the idea that like okay so he goes to Montana to live in a town called Green Hills. It's like, why not just call it Green Hill? Like, I don't understand why you're making it plural. Like, there's so many things that are so close to just, like, clear Sonic fan service. It's Green Hill Zone. Yeah. Why not just name the town Green Hill? What's why Green with, Hills? What's the difference? It's because it's Sonic! This should be named after Sonic things. But Wouldn't I, that drive you nuts if they just pluralized some random Mega Man X thing for no I don't reason? Know, it sounds more like a... Green Hills sounds like a real town to me than Green Hill. What's the difference? I think there's green, totally a green. green I, I feel green like hills. I can bounce this argument right back at you. No, because one is Sonic, <laughs> and in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, you should name the thing after the thing from the game, not change it for no reason. Because it sounds 20% more like a real town. Like, who gives a crap? Are there any fart jokes in the movie? There's so many fart jokes. Uh, yeah. There's a Are few. There? Yeah, he yeah. farts really hard, and then uh, James Marsden says, you better check your fur on that one, buddy. Yeah. Is there a scene where he runs with the test and <laughs> he's farting at the same time? That's a real thing. He just leaves the fart smell across <laughs> an entire city block because he's running so I fast. I think that's always assumed because yeah. it's like a blue trail. Yeah, yeah, oh, is that how he's able to run so fast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like the interdimensional hopping. I like the mechanic of that in the movie. Oh, just having portals and stuff? Yeah, I think that was cool. Uh, this, that uh, that th- owl at the beginning was very confusing. There is an owl named Longclaw yeah. that apparently is Sonic's mother. Never or been in a game, as far as I know. Guardian like this, in this some way. You should be more upset about than hills. <laughs> no, Green Hills. <laughs> because what's the implication, Kyle? Is the idea that because he's like, oh, I came from my home planet. I ran around on this island. He just calls it an island instead of like Mobius, whatever it's called yeah. in the Sonic universe. I wanted the whole movie to take place there, by the way. But is the idea that that place was called Green Hill and that he searched out Green Hills in <clears throat> Montana because it reminded him of home? Because that's never made clear. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. Or is it the other way around and he's going to go back to his island and call it after Green Hills, the town? Mm, I, guess I think we'll you're thinking too sequel. far ahead. <laughs> also, I don't understand when James Morrison's like, what are you? And he's like, I'm a hedgehog. Can't you tell? And they is that on. supposed to be like a joke, like he's in disguise, so he's trying to pretend that he's a hedgehog? Or does Sonic actually believe that he's a hedgehog? Um, he's delusional. If he he's thinks delusional. That. I think it was just a joke that he doesn't look anything like a hedgehog, right? And then we move on. Really? Yeah. So that was just a joke. It's not like he was like, okay, my undercover persona. No, I think it was a joke that it's like, I, like he said, I'm a hedgehog. And then it's like, well, obviously you don't look anything like a hedgehog. And okay. then Jim Carrey walked in the kitchen and James Marsden punched him. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then they talked about Olive Garden a couple times. A suspicious amount. Tw- twice. <laughs> I just, there's a lot of these things in, throughout the movie. The Green Hill, Green Hills thing. That's so weird to me. But then also, it's a sign of like larger themes of just like you're so close to just doing a thing that would make fans happy, and it's not a movie designed for fans. Just because they got the look right, I disagree. I disagree. I think there's a lot of fun like Sonic stuff in there. Like even the way 
I'm sorry, Serial, he defeats Robotnik in the end. The way he does it is, this is, is okay, like a Sonic no. the Hedgehog thing. No, it is not. This is another <laughs> scene that drove me about? insane. Okay, without any specifics, it's like, okay, he's got to do a certain attack to get ready he's to go He's got to jump here. on their heads, right? He's got to jump just saying, on his head. I'm just saying, he doesn't do a spin dash in the film. He rolls into a ball and bounces off Robotnik a couple times to do defeat him. Do the thing and make the sound. <laughs> but that's not how you spin- do it in the game. You jump in the air and hit him. The spin dash, though, like the to actually which get was out not there. in the first Sonic game. Okay, it's in Sonic Two. It's such an iconic. This is the thing. first Sonic film. You can't put Sonic <laughs> Two stuff. In the I'm just that's why the post credit sting wasn't earlier. In if the you're film. going to have him roll towards the enemy, just have him do the cool dash but first. He he, he he has to jump though. He has I'm to jump saying up in they the should have the done enemy. the more satisfying thing <laughs> instead of seeing this ball of fur kind of slowly rotate a little bit. <laughs> it's not doing it. Kyle. It's not doing it. It's funny because like we're arguing, but it's like it's not like I think it's a great movie or anything. I just thought no. it was like I gave it like barely a passing grade. <laughs> you know, I think like, that's very generous because it's yeah. like sixty three percent around tomatoes, and it made yeah, me angry looking high. at it. Like yeah. this is what people want. This is getting the pass now. I will say, I mean, it feels like the people who are involved in the film, which I think you can say they were, like Schwartz is an admitted Sonic fan. You yeah, know? and like. The, the people who made that movie grew up with Sonic and played Sonic, which is not what you can say for a lot of, like, older video game movies. Like, we're hitting a generation now where the people who are making video game movies actually have reverence for the material and played the games. Or in the past, like, pe- like the people who made Lara Croft Tomb Raider, like, with Angelina Jolie, they probably right. played Tomb Raider. You but know? I just think in an era where I think there are some very smart movies being made, like, you know, Lego movies, stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, okay, they understand, I feel like, where culture's at, what fans want overall. Yeah, this is still very much more on the Dragon Ball Evolution side of the spectrum. And you didn't get that from the original trailer. That they don't <laughs> I did, know. but I think the way people were talking about it, and like the Rotten Tomato scores, like yeah. okay, maybe this is smarter mm. than I think. I and think, I think it is culturally a dumb movie. I think Dragon Ball Evolution is harsh. I think it is. I think it is. A, it's more on that end of the spectrum I, than a Lego mm, movie. Mm, yeah, I, I would put it right in like in the middle. Like I wouldn't put it closer to Evolution on this imaginary scale that okay. we created. But where would you put Dragon Quest: colon, Your Story? Okay, is this the transition now? Yes. I I guess, you know what? Um it's tough for me to say because I I don't I'm not fam- super familiar with Dragon Quest and specifically 5. I I by the end of that movie, I was super on board. Really? Yeah. Hang on, without spoilers here. Yeah. Because of the ending? Uh no, moments even leading up to the ending. There were moments that I was like, "Wait, this is cool." And it, you know what it made me want to do? is go play a mainline Dragon Quest game, Ooh. which I've never done. Because, yeah. like, I never... All I've played are, like, heroes and, like, builders and stuff like that, where the stories are really just, like, I can't skip the dialogue fast enough. Right. You know? Where this was, like, on paper, you know, it's like, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening here. Now, with all those nice things said, uh-huh. the, that that movie's insane. Just, like, the pace... Like, the first eight minutes of that movie... I watched it in, like, three chunks. Yeah. The first eight minutes of that movie is, like... Uh, parents are dead. Like people are sold into slavery, and it's like whole a whole life has happened in the first eight minutes. Of it's that a brutal movie. spot, it's and insane. you watch it too. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Like it's a it's a brutal thing because what's fun about the game is the scope of it. That like you age yeah. throughout the game, different stages of this main character's I mean, that, life. That like, that's movie, the hook. That movie is an eighty hour RPG crammed into what two two and a half hours. I think Something it's like under that? two hours. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, which. I think it's a mistake, like, (laughs) because it's so beloved, I feel like they thought, okay, we have to leave in all these beats and stuff, but especially the beginning, it's like, holy God, you guys, just trim out some of this stuff. I feel like I had to take notes, like, and then, like, when stuff came back that was referenced in the beginning, I was like, wait, what? That that was, like, a little half a minute sequence in the opening montage, like, and then this character is so important to you at this point. 
<laughs> I know. Just it just you can leave out some details, you know. Yeah. It's not like the level of recreation of like a Dragon Ball Z Kakarot or something like that, but it is stunning how much they try and keep yeah. from Dragon Quest V. It's in like they had thing. a list of flat points that they had from the yeah. from the game storyline that they said we are moving all of these into the column where it says movie plot points. Yeah, yeah. And like they just run through those and I don't think it works. I'm not I don't yeah. think I like this movie. Like the ending I think without spoiling anything I think is, is good. But like <laughs> it's almost worth fast forwarding to the yeah, ending. I would say <laughs> yes. I would say like if years from now there's gonna be like a, a hyper viral tweet of like dude do you guys remember how crazy the ending of this movie was? <laughs> no, don't write it. Like yeah. I do think it. People left who, field. I was. I. I also I was very. It and into I was it. like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. We should record something for after the credits sure, here where yeah, we talk yeah. a little bit about it. But I think that it's what annoys people about it who are big Dragon Quest Five fans because the rest of the movie is like, okay, oh, I can adaptation, see that. Yeah. adaptation, and then not adaptation. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, yeah. what? And credits. We yeah. skip second table a little bit. You've, yeah, you've played five. Yeah, serial. Have I've you, never, no. you've never. So you and me went in totally blind because, yeah. like, the first yeah. thing I did after I finished the movie was go read the plot summary mm. of the game. Oh, oh, oh I, I looked up like how much of this is like, and yeah, then it's, like, yeah it's and it's a lot. Basically. Like, a, they hit yeah. a lot of the, the yeah. important stuff. Yeah. You, the other thing that kind of bothered me is that it does not like they they're using this same like anime house style that they use for the Saint Seiya show, which I also do not like. But like the what the because they're they're. And Netflix has an anime studio now, and oh. a lot of it is like their CG production thing. And this, like, all the characters and stuff look very similar to the Saint Seiya characters. Okay, and so they don't really look very Toriyama. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Is that they the, look more How to Train Your Dragon than Toriyama. Exactly. So yeah. it's like that was a, a concurrent thing where I was like, I, I wish it just looked like a like a CG Toriyama thing does not sound bad, and they don't even like, accomplish that. It's so like these characters do not look like they do. Like I saw the cover for Dragon Quest Five, and I was like, oh, this looks way better than that movie. <laughs> I know. And the sad thing is, like, well, if they do ever make a Chrono Trigger movie, like. It was probably this is what it's going to look because they yeah. don't want that Toriyama licensing fee or whatever the hell it ends up being, right, to actually bog that thing down. Yeah. But yeah. I, I liked it. Like, it moved really fast. The ending is so weird. I liked it, but I totally get it. Fans are angry about that and the Toriyama thing. But, like, for a Dragon Quest movie on Netflix, if you're a Dragon Quest fan, at least I think you should scrub through and look at the action scenes. Because, like, yeah. it's fun seeing them use, like, all the spells and even just, like, healing. Oh, like, yeah. there's a lot of really fun details. And I was like, oh, this is fun to see on the big screen. I think it's better than any Final Fantasy movie. And I'm, I'm, hey. I'm not going to question you on that. I'm not going to. Hey, actually, I'm, Advent Children. Uh, I'm a spiritual then defender. I saw yeah, that in the theaters. I, there but there like, are some fun moments. I think like the the there's a moment uh, most of the way through the movie with Gutrude, which is like the slime character where yeah. they, he figures out a clever thing to do with Gutrude that I thought that thought that's pretty cool. Yes, the the slime is called Gutrude, mm. uh, and he figures out a clever thing to do with. That's him. right. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but for the most part, it just seems like it's like we're going to hit all the plot points. We're not really going to like linger on any of them in a way that will actually make any of this stuff make sense. It just feels like this weird whirlwind that it felt like a little bit of a mess to me. But like there I are, there are moments is, that I think I do like. It is mess. It is a mess. Like, yeah. Un- yeah. Undoubtedly. But I th- like like you, ultimately, like the f- for the first like 20 minutes or so, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. This is this is too much. Like, I don't think this is working. But by mm-hmm. the end, I was like, I liked that. Like, mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed that. And like I said, it makes me want to go play like Dragon Quest Eleven would probably be the one you that should I definitely do. That. Yeah, for so. sure. Uh, but yeah, it's just fun. Like, especially... Seeing the magic spells. That's what really got me. Like, oh, yeah. just seeing like a more dynamic attack, obviously a little more dynamic than the fights in Dragon Quest V or the old school Dragon <laughs> Quest where you're just staring right at them, right? But like, okay, seeing what swoosh looks like and stuff is kind of fun. And I like the idea of having, instead of like the Final Fantasy movie problem where it's the too cool for school protagonist, like there's something fun about not only making a Dragon Quest character talk, which is crazy in this movie, but then that the protagonist is like the underdog throughout the entire movie and kind of like a goofball constantly messing up. It's like, oh, this is a fun role to see instead of just the overconfident RPG protagonist. He's a silent protagonist in the game? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Do you have other notes? It seems like you wrote uh, a lot of stuff actually, down. Actually, I did, but we covered a lot of it. The, oh, like, good. The, the healing thing, I thought, was like, yeah. great. He, they get to use the uh, the herbs to heal. Right. And like, there's even a sequence where he kind of uh, upgrades equipment almost in the middle of like a big boss fight, which is right, kind of cool. Right. So there's like, little touches like that where I was like, okay, these people clearly are fans of the video game and have played the game, you know? Hey, they're fans. Uh, yeah. We'll have some credits or some spoilers after the credits here. Hey, you know how this whole thing operates? You know what we're doing down here? We're Patreon. making oh, You got okay. it. Yeah, I was going to go with more eloquent response, but you got it. We're making content for folks uh, that support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash MinMax2Ns. If you support us at any tier, you get access to the Discord, which is uh, the Internet's Shangri-La, I believe. Nicest community on the Internet, bar none. Um, and then also, you can leave a question or comment or topic for us to cover on each episode of the MinMax show. Every week, we have a post and say, hey, submit your questions or comments now, and then people do it, and then we choose your absolute favorite, and then I'm 8-Bit, Ships them out something very nice. You can win some very cool stuff. Um, so a lot of good options there in the Discord. If you like um, Get a Load of This as a segment, there is a constant stream of Get a Load of This in the MinMax Discord where the entire community is posting things that are always interesting what? that we should get a load we of. We could it. have been cheating this entire time. <laughs> I know, we could just read off that whole thing. But if you like that segment, uh, please check out the MinMax Discord and consider supporting us on Patreon. We'd appreciate it. Um, hey, and look at this. Uh, this is the final week of Superhero Cinema Scoop supporting mm. us in Min Max. But uh, we salute you for your service, uh, Superhero Cinema Scoop. Thank you. And now, Superhero Cinema Scoop is a YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the news from upcoming superhero movies, superhero movies, shows, video games, and more. Check out Superhero Cinema Scoop on YouTube, or the audio only version is available on most major podcast streaming services. This is Riley's last week supporting the show. These words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and he would like to give a huge thank you to MinMax and the MinMax community for welcoming him and supporting his channel so much. His subscriber count has more than doubled and the views keep going up. This has been a wonderful experience and anyone who is considering supporting MinMax at the $400 tier on Patreon should definitely do it. Thanks again from Superhero Cinema Scoop. And don't forget that cinema spelled with an S. Thanks. Thanks for I throwing an ad for yeah, us in there. Yeah, he turned that into an advertisement. <laughs> that was very confusing. I swear to God, he's like, hey, can I give you a, a new uh, uh, thing for you to read? And I was like, yeah, no problem. I don't think I'd read it until like right now. I just got that's, rid of Facebook. It's very it, sweet. Very nice. And I'm also glad that it, you know, it was it was good for him. You yeah, know? absolutely. Leave a nice uh, comment on, on Riley's YouTube channel there. Um, and then he said, hey, because it's my last week, I wanted to ask you all, what's your favorite superhero movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean... I feel like it's a boring answer, but I still love Dark Knight so much. Yeah. Like, that movie's mm. so important to me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, for a long time, it was always like, oh, Spider-Man 2. And I was yeah. like, okay, Avengers 1, I guess. Maybe There's... Spider-Verse now. You know? Oh, interesting. I like the Spider-Verse or Homecoming for me. Yeah. I, I could see it being Civil War for me at this point. I think mine is Thor Ragnarok. Oh, Thor Ragnarok funny lad, eh? It's fun. Very yeah. nice. Um, so that's very sweet, Riley. Thanks for your support uh, for a couple months here at MinMax. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with the YouTube channel. And there are slots available if you'd like us to plug your Kickstarter project, business, uh, family members, but not in a freaky way. Uh, <laughs> just let us know. Support us on Patreon, and uh, we're happy to help you out. Uh, and thanks to I Am 8-Bit for supporting MinMax in a big way. Not only uh, have they helped us for so many years at Game Informer with Extra Life, sending us amazing things, um, but... They have been helping out our community by offering several things. First of all, their online store where they have amazing things. They have the Inside Collector's Edition, a bunch of amazing video game soundtracks on vinyl. Like Cuphead has an amazing deluxe vinyl thing you should check out there. And if you enter the promo code MINMAX, you get 10% off your entire order, which 
hey, they just volunteered. It's very generous of them. So please take advantage of that. Check out their stores. A lot of very fun stuff there. But then also they wanted to point out that uh, Kentucky Route Zero, they have a physical version for PS4 and Switch uh, on their store. So please check that out, including the soundtrack. Yeah. Which, Cyril, you're a big fan of the soundtrack and I the like game. the soundtrack a lot. Yeah. And the game. Yeah. JV Gwaltney, he said it's like his third favorite game of all time now. Like, <laughs> it is absurd the amount of love. There is a fan yeah. base it's, for that game. That game He's not really alone. Good. Yeah. You, get in on it. For sure. For more information on this soundtrack and the physical version of Kentucky Route Zero on the site for IM8 Bit, please call 1 858 943 6579. Jeff, one more time. Take it away. 1 843 Nope. So Stop. Five, so bad. <laughs> 69. Nope. Nope. 1. 428-583-6579. Thanks, I'm 8-Bit. Go support you. them. Check out their store. And now, let's figure out what the I'm 8-Bit question of the week is by diving into the Minbox. Ready? Ready. Woody Nickname here. Thank you for supporting us. Says, hey, not to get too maudlin, but I was thinking about E3 the other day and found myself wondering if the shocking surprise appearance by Keanu Reeves, both in Cyberpunk and on the stage, will end up being the last great E3 moment. Mm. I know E3 is in a tough spot. We were talking about it not too long ago, but there's still going to be a lot of fun to be had at E3. I mean, also, I mean, uh, who's the the acronym for the the people that run E3? Why ESA. I, the ESA. Like, their big goal is to chase that Keanu Reeves moment and, like, track down celebrities specifically like mm-hmm. that's what they want you know well we all remember that amazing moment from joseph gordon levitt where he came out to talk about beyond good and evil 2 <laughs> all right just more stuff like that man <laughs> gamer that stuff. one guy brought his dog for ghost recon oh that's right that was <laughs> ghost what recon about it talk about a gaming moment there <laughs> one guy made us look at his dog <laughs> uh the but dog. what do you nickname you says pet the dog <laughs> says you guys have covered and been to more than zero of these shows which gives you more insight than i have so i'm wondering what's your favorite personal e3 moment whether you were there to see it or not Mm, the big bucket of good e3 moments yeah it's still it's still the bottom of an avatar's shoe so how i've never i've actually never been to any of the press conferences in the crowd oh really yeah i don't know if have any of you guys yeah Yeah. for sure i mean we had our like game informer booth where a lot of those moments were super fun i like i i i still i go to it a lot but the sort of Xbox One versus PS4 stuff mm-hmm. was super fun, yeah. and that trading the you know lending a a, uh, a game to a friend was like it always stands out to me as being just this moment that we were all just like this is insane, you know. And I also right. remember like Kingdom Hearts three finally getting announced, and like Kim Wallace just like losing her mind, just mm-hmm. like standing up and like dancing, which is which was super fun and stuff like that. It was very nice. Yeah, my answer was the Xbox One because we were watching that entire press conference, or not. The PS4 press conference right. afterwards, and we were just all completely blown away at how well it was going for them and how <laughs> insane the crowd was. It's weird to root for a corporation, but it's like, yeah. yeah, dunk on that other mega corporation. Yeah. They're doing it. You get us. I think it just felt bold at the time. I mean, yeah. even now, even in the on, in retrospect, it still feels bold, but it was just unexpected. To be that direct about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then another classic E3 moment. Uh, after we we were in getting the booth ready and stuff, but Tim Turry and a couple other people... They went out to, you know, go out and look around on the show floor, you know, to oh, get a sneak yeah. peek. Uh-huh. And while he was doing it, he decided to start taking pictures of the booths, which we were explicitly told not to do. <laughs> and so a security guard came up and just said, why would you do that? Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's and right. that line has been said a thousand times in the Game Informer office over the past decade. Yes. So that was always very good. Did he make him delete the photos or anything? I... Uh, 
I don't know. Mm. I would think so. Maybe. So I think he just took his phone away and... Tim has never been allowed to have a phone since <laughs> <laughs> legally bar from owning a phone. That's right. So don't hire Tim Turry as your corporate spy, I think. Uh, that's is right. the takeaway. Please, Tony. <laughs> and Fam mm. says, hey, do you guys watch or listen to commentaries by directors in movies? If so, what's been your favorite commentary in a film? Also, a weird idea popped into my head. Commentaries for video games. Hypothetically, there would be a sequence or physical location in the game that would trigger commentary by developers. What do you think of this dumb idea? I think it's such a good idea that Valve thought of it a Valve while ago. Yeah. For years. And so, uh, uh, Double Fine's done it a couple times, too. But it is oh, a great right. idea. Yeah, definitely all games should have a commentary. I love it. Yeah. Just slap it in there. love director's commentary. Huge fan. Um, my favorite director's commentary of all time is from a little film called Cannibal the Musical. Oh, that's right. Mm. It's uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's student film that they made in college. It's a musical about a historical event involving cannibalism. And they were pretty close to South Park was a success at that point, but like still early, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, they get progressively more and more wasted over the course of the commentary to the point where like it actually cuts out for a good 10 minutes like later. In it, and then they come back. And they're like, oh, sorry, we broke something. But like that <laughs> whole movie, Cannibal the Musical, like Trey Parker wrote about this woman that like broke his heart. And like left him for an acapella singer right before he became a huge success. Uh-huh. And I just like I have this. I love. There's this point in the commentary where he's so drunk and he's just like, "Well, she left me, and now I'm worth a million dollars." And just he just starts going, "Whoops, <laughs> whoops." <laughs> it's just it's so good. I like. I, I think you can actually find it on YouTube. Like I you can want just to do it. It's probably like the most commentary. revealing. <laughs> Yeah. interview going it's, by the way I mean, for like he, who they really are because he talks a lot about like how his heart was like genuinely broken by yeah. this woman and how it like really affected his life in a big way and resulted in this insane comedy movie about a cannibal like it's it bonkers yeah so I, I love director's commentary I always seek out director's commentary yeah I wish I don't really like buying physical movies anymore but I wish there's just some way to download like i know ryan johnson released like the knives yeah. out commentary track and stuff it's like yeah. a standalone thing you could even listen to it in the theater which i think is incredible yeah i yeah. would i would happily pay five bucks for movie commentary tracks netflix you know? just needs to start doing it 100 percent. Sure. they yeah, have that's they it. have 10 different audio tracks that you can choose from yeah. already on shows they just need to sew up the rights to have and they should just be doing it for their own movies i don't know yeah. why they wouldn't also yeah. yeah they're in such a weird spot too where maybe it's just because i was into the Irishman and looked too many things online, looked up too many things. But like my YouTube feed for months was just like bonus features for the Irishman. Cause I feel like, <laughs> Oh, it's a Netflix film. So I don't know what to do with them. I guess I'll just release them online, which is all right. But it just feels like there should be a way to bundle that in. Yeah. Well, they, like having some options. They do with the main conversation that, huh? Robert De Niro and oh yeah, you're and talking about this. So where is that? It. That's just like a separate it, video. In it Netflix? popped up once I finished the movie. It was just oh. like a, this is Justin. what's coming up next. Mm, see, I saw Irishman in a the theater. So oh, I'm not well, familiar with how you stream. Yes. But when I think of like commentary tracks and what I spent the most time with, uh, I love news radio. And I went through every news radio commentary track for that entire show. Yeah. Which it was, uh, you know, a good lesson in how not to do commentary tracks at times. Because a lot <laughs> of it was just like, what's happening? Either they were confused about what was happening in the episode yeah. or they were just like shutting up and just watching it. But still like, uh, it's kind of fun to hear like Maura Tierney like trying to call Andy Dick and like hold the phone up to the mic. Like, it's just like a weird collection. Yeah. Arrested Development commentary has some of that stuff where oh, they're really? calling each other. And there's also, I always, it's this is like 
I listen to a lot of director's commentary, so this might feel random, but like I really loved the movie SLC Punk when I was in high school. And that movie has a really good commentary, but it's very clear that Matthew Lillard does not understand how director's commentary works and keeps like trying to get everyone to stop talking. He's like, no, no, no this part's really great. Guys, we should like watch this. And, it, and it, like they all pause for a minute and the director's like, Everyone's seen this movie. They're not watching this movie for the first time. That's so frustrating. (laughs) Where do you stand on the common thing of the commentary tracks being recorded before the movie's out? So it's kind of like this weird time capsule, so they're unable to react to the reaction. Because I I think it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah. I I mean, I'll take that over no commentary, obviously. But yeah, Yeah. I would like to have them be able to reflect on it in a you know a weird way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, Um, I could. I got some more. Like some more commentary. Well, I watched Whatever. all of the all of the commentary tracks on the Shaun of the Dead DVD, which oh, is yeah, like yeah, the, those are good. Edgar yeah. Wright, and then like they had different groups of actors. Basically, I think it was like four or five that they had total. That's really and fun. I, and I went them. back and watched all of those. Like yeah. Scott the, Pilgrim does a similar yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I, I watched like some some not all of the um, da- uh, David Simon talking about the wire on the oh, on the okay. DVDs and like the the one for the first episode is kind of interesting because he talks about how in the first episode there's like a a, a, a flashback. About like you know, this, per- like this guy pointing to someone in a courtroom when you see them at the end of the episode, and I guess that was something that like the studio had wanted to put in because like oh this show is so dense it's no one's going to be able to follow it that that's the guy from earlier in the episode, and then he talked like yeah I'll put it in the show but then like he I guess ended up arguing with like no people were, are going to take to this style of storytelling so that's like that's why there's one flashback in the first episode of the wire and you never see that kind of thing again so if you have the dvds i maybe i'm guessing they're on the blu-rays too but yeah um those are good those are good to watch i'm driven in saying that spielberg has never done a commentary track yeah i think that's outrageous and then even his best buddy george lucas like i remember when i bought the star wars dvds it's like oh man george lucas commentary or star wars commentary is gonna be great and he's like it's the worst form of commentary i don't know if you remember this but it's like it's like okay if there's a scene then they'll just play some two-minute chunk of, like, George Lucas talking vaguely about the scene, but it's not mm-hmm. like he's watching the movie, and then it's mm-hmm. just, like, silence or just the movie itself for the next ten minutes. They're like, okay, now here's a clip of Carrie Fisher talking about <laughs> what this scene was vaguely like. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you want that human interaction, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, George Lucas is not too human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's in his contract. The other one that I was going to recommend, I haven't actually seen it, but I've just heard excerpts from it, which is the... Armageddon <laughs> soundtrack. Oh yes, I, I, I feel up. like I know the clip that you're about yes, to bring up because yes. Ben Affleck was just drunk and like complaining about Jerry Bruckheimer the entire time. Yeah, and then the the oh, Michael Bay, Michael Bay, yes. yes, and then Michael Bay's contributions to it were all like super demeaning to the other people who worked on it and stuff. But they, I don't think they were recorded at the same time. They just put them all together, and so <laughs> and so then it would be you know. Like Ben Affleck would add stupid sound effects to it, to like you know an explosion or whatever, and then it would be Bruce Willis saying, "Yeah, my stunt double almost died during that <laughs> during that moment. It was very dangerous." <laughs> so uh, it sounds like a real gem. That's true. Find it, uh, yeah. And if you're a Patreon supporter at the five dollar tier, you get access to our Star Wars commentaries right. that I recorded with Ross, the Star Wars guy. Uh, I'd love to do more commentaries. Is that his official name now? Yeah, name? it is actually. Good, good he changed it legally. Um, but I, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, you know, it'd be fun. I have a list of movies that I want to do commentary tracks for in the audio feed. I was like, we should just put that up as a poll on Patreon and people can choose what we record a commentary track for. Like, why not let the $10 supporters vote? I think that'd be super fun. So look forward to more commentaries in the future, no matter what. (laughs) Right, Kyle? Yes. Right. Uh, Rushton Majumder says, who would win in a rock climbing competition between Wander from Shadow of the Colossus and Link from Breath of the Wild? 
Oh, I think Wander. Wander, right? Well, Link can climb literally anything. Yeah, but and Wander he, can only climb. But then he, he runs out of stamina. So after does Wander. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I think Wander, like he like, is this uh, Link at the start of Breath of the Wild or at the end when there's like multiple layers of grip. I think I think Link still wins because if you're in Shadow of the Colossus, if you're Wander and you're hanging on, yeah. If you're not moving, you're still losing stamina. If you stop moving as Link, Link mm. does not lose stamina. Is that right? Yeah, that's a good okay. point. Definitive. There yeah. we go. Give hey. it to Linkle Linkle. If anyone has Disney Plus out there, they, yeah. have you have you seen Free Solo? Yeah. The movie? Is that on there? That, yes. And Isn't that, that is amazing. insane. I've, I've never had a movie give me heebie-jeebies like that because it's... Since Jeepers Creepers. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but it's just about a solo mountain climber who, I can't remember the mountain, something in Yosemite Park. Yeah. But it's a 3,000 foot mountain climb that mm-hmm. he does without any ropes is basically what he's mm-hmm. building up to. And You're talking so, about it like it's a deep cut. It won Best Documentary of the Year. Like, it was a big deal when no it came out. No one up. follows documentaries, <laughs> dude. But yes, you should watch Free Solo because like, there's especially the best sequence of the entire movie. I don't know if we're on the same page. But there's a sequence where it's like, all right, it's like a bank heist. Like, Let's break down how do we get up this route. And it's like zooming mm-hmm. in, like chalk sketches like this is notable for this. Then you have to get past this. Then you have to get past this. And like seeing that, especially in the documentary format, is so much fun. I'm just like, oh, my God. Now I know the exact point he's at and why this is challenging. Mm-hmm. So, it's very good. Plus, without spoiling anything. That's right. Disney Plus, uh, without spoiling anything, like it's interesting because like, oh, that sounds like a monumental task. I can't wait to just watch this visually. And then you watch it and realize, oh, I think the real mountain being climbed is in this guy's heart and mind yeah like he is an interesting character there's a a lot of character building kind of stuff even though he's a real human being how much do you look up to him scale one to ten not that much he's (laughs) kind of crazy and seems like kind of a bad person what about literally looking up at him Mm -hmm. oh yeah then it's like (laughs) but the answer is that guy Right, he's oh, he's the best mountain climber. Oh, yes. he beats them both. Wait, there so when right. th- when he stops climbing, does he run out of stamina? Though? Oh, good question. No, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, he never runs out of stamina. Wow, dude. that's crazy. Uh, Mike Sweet says, in the aspect of getting better, what is a moment in your life that you could feel yourself getting better, mentally, physically, professionally, etc. Really, etc. Etc. Really. Take it away, Jeff. Um, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I th- I think it's not a. It is a, a series of specific moments where whenever I do commit myself to exercising, mm. after a certain period of time, there's that very nice moment where you're doing the same kind of exercise and you think, hey, this is actually getting easier. And like, I'm doing it faster. I, I do burpees because I'm a lazy exerciser, mm-hmm. but they do the full body. So and that's where you drink a lot of bubbly? Yeah. Okay. And then you, and then you kind of you crunch your abs and then you burp as... <laughs> hard as you can but but those are the those are the that's the exercise that i do just because it you can do you you do as many as you can and then you're just done for the day you don't have to do a bunch of different weights and stuff like that do you, yeah. do you like wake up and do that is it like a first thing or like when do you do it uh sometimes in the shower or? yeah in the shower mostly <laughs> but but after you do them for, you know, a week or so, you start to notice that they're getting easier and right. then you can do more of them and that kind of progress. Especially, good. you know, if you don't exercise much like me, it is it's the best time to start exercising just for that progress cuz starting mm-hmm. at zero it's like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Even just, you know, the one time in my life I trained for like a 5k, it's like it's crazy that how much progress I can make in a short period of time mm-hmm. and not to turn into the jock cast, which is going to be an upcoming thing in our podcast network. Mm. No, um, 
But uh, we're a podcast network now. That's right. <laughs> I think we technically are. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait, hold podcast. on. Yeah, I guess we are. We have multiple shows. <laughs> what are we, some sort of podcast? Like, That's the framing for the entire <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about. New shows what coming are we soon. On by Patreon. Anyways, the point is, uh, friend Dave Clapp, he let me borrow his bench press. Is that, was that, is that what you call that? Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting out there. And like, because oh, your God it's just, of Gym. Right. My God of Gym simulation? Yeah. And because it's like right outside the doors of the MinMax studio, every time I'm walking by, it's like, I'm going to lift some weights. I've been losing my mind. I am on that thing all the time because it's like your burpee thing. It's, it's like literal God of Gym now. That's right. It's just so quick and easy. And salami. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. But I feel so much better after doing that mm-hmm. every single time. Whereas like I've been doing push-ups for years. You wouldn't know it if you saw me. But it's like, eh, it's always like, I don't know if I want to do it. And like, sometimes it makes me feel okay. But again, starting from zero probably. But every time I get off that bench press, like I feel so good about myself, which is a very rare thing <laughs> for mm-hmm. me physically. But like I really, really love it. And seeing the numbers already going up and up and up. It's like, oh, okay. I put more weight on. And now I can already do the same number of reps that these are called reps, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? You're asking me? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the same number of lifts that I used to do on the old weights, and now I can stack more on and then work my way up to that. Like, it's very satisfying. Go. Yeah. If you have a, a pull-up bar, you know? Yeah. A do I ever. The secret to those, if you have, like, the kind that go in the doorway, yeah. the secret is you just leave it there all the time. And then anytime you pass through that doorway, you make yourself do a couple. Yeah. Have you ever done one in my house? No. On your frequent trips to the bathroom? It's in the bathroom? It's on the way to the bathroom. It's right there. You've walked under it like mistletoe 14 times. Uh, I, I Today. Noticed. Why do you think Hanson keeps trying to kiss you there? Yes. Oh. <laughs> He's trying to kiss me everywhere. <laughs> uh, Victor Pham says, in the interest of getting better and more open-minded, what do you think it would take for you to get into a game genre that you're typically not a fan of? That's a good question. For instance, what would it take for Jeff to get into fighting games or Hanson to get into stylish action games? A good one? <laughs> I mean, you joke, but that your joke. That your is jerk. Your joke, jerk. Your joke, jerk. <laughs> I know there's a good. One. But I, it does. It does take like like because I don't really like um, visual novels. Mm-hmm. But everyone's losing their mind over Kentucky Route Zero, and that's. I mean, it, I think it's fair to call that a visual novel, right? Or is that uh, it's a little more, more of an adventure game? Novel, one notch above that. It's yeah. a more adventure game than I, maybe not the best example, but like if someone's like, this is like the apex of the genre. Like, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. Yeah, you know, for sure. And then if it doesn't do it for you, it's like okay, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good suggestion. Also, it's just a matter of getting over the learning curve. You know, I'm such mm-hmm. a stubborn person that I think a lot of stylish action games, like, okay, when I upgrade my character, I just want to go for the easiest to understand combo. I don't understand the rest of the stuff. I just want to keep it to bare minimum moves. It's just a terrible way to approach stylish action games in general. But, I mean, I've played through several, like Metal Gear Rising and uh, Bayonetta 2 and you stuff. DMC, yeah, DMC, right? the yeah. reboot. Like, it's just... It's just not, not really my jam. Genre. I'm just so abysmal at it. But I think it would just take that like, okay, I'm going to dedicate two hours, have some coffee, and let me just focus on actually trying to improve my look skills at, Look here. at a walkthrough just to get you started, you know. Sure. Which I think helps me sometimes. Like uh, Outer Outer Wilds yep. last year, like it was helpful for me to kind of look at a walkthrough a little bit to sort of get me started, you know. That stuff seems like that. sacrilegious to the people that love Outer Wilds. I'd like to apologize at to least all the Outer Wilds yeah. fans out there. That's I, that's a lot. I think the answer is just a video series, right? Mm-hmm. That's what will get us all into different genres is we just make a video about it. Oh, that's what you're saying. Oh, boy. And that forces you. Well, Game that's clubs. true, but then it's like, okay. Yeah, I guess Game Club is an interesting route, but it's like, okay, here's a video series of 
the worst stylish action player you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. Like, there's, there's, there's no the hands but and slash. If you're making improvements genre. in it, I bet people would enjoy that. We have to then bank on me making improvements in the way I play games. Well, that or yeah. we add funny sound effects when you screw up every nah, time. Now we're talking. A dunce cap? That's right. Uh, Alex Mob says, hey, Mighty Maxers. Love it. Uh, it says, what games in recent memory hooked you from beginning to end? Most of the time, I get tired of a game in the final stretch and just want it to end. Even with a shorter game like Outer Worlds, I felt like it went on a little too long. What hooked you beginning to end? Hook, line, and sinky. Can you just say sink? <laughs> you all look well, bored, so I'm trying to spice it up. Okay. Uh, I think Resident Evil 4 is probably an example of like a game that I think is just immaculately paced from beginning to end. And really? I, know, I feel like I, everyone always says that the castle in the middle drags. I, I still, I like, I, it's not, it's... It does. It is worse than the part that precedes it, but I still think it's engaging from beginning to yeah. end. I don't think that. I don't think there's any point in Resident Evil Four where I'm just like, I just want to get to like the, the weakest level. part of Resident Evil Four is still it's still good. Amazing. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's just less good than the rest of it. And then, right. Uh, I think Undertale for its runtime, I think, is pretty engaging for, mm-hmm. for pretty much throughout. It's, it, it helps that that game is maybe like four or six hours long. I think that's definitely a sweet spot. Like Titanfall Two, I think, is the best paced mm. game ever made. I don't know about never made, but it's definitely one, like I I had no problem finishing that game. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah. yeah, for sure. It helps being short to be sure. Yeah, is yeah. the answer just that short games? Short games. Kind of <laughs> Here you go, Alex Mob. Uh, sincerely, Eric says, "What is the most impulsive thing you've ever done in public? Slash the most embarrassing thing? The kind of situation where you realize what you did and try to scurry away." Hmm. I have one t- today. That's well, it's not the most, but it's up there. It's not for, the one you went to jail for, was it? Yeah, it's not the one I went okay. to jail for. Uh, I went, I went, and I was long ass, and I went in to fill up, and I, I bought a granola bar, and the guy there was like, well, I bought two because it was like it was two for three, uh, two for three dollars. So it's like okay, and then he rung me up for four dollars, and he was like, well, I, the sign said that they're two for three, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll, t- I'll knock a dollar off, um, and so when I, and it's like, do you want your receipt? And I got my receipt, and it said four dollars as I was walking out, and I. I was so like mad. I was just ah, forget it. I'm just not gonna like bother him. And I was so like upset with the idea of like this guy did not give me my discount that I forgot both of my granola bars <laughs> that I didn't remember until after I was driving here. So I was like, great, I paid four dollars for literally nothing. Oh boy, <laughs> that's so absurd. I get it, man. I, I totally narrowed that same way. Like every time I get money at the ATM. I'm always like walking away and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, the money. Like I always forget because it's like, well, this yeah. is the whole process and done and done. Uh, I have, it's not really like an impulsive one, but I was trying to think of outside of, you know, blue face paint, fifth element stuff. <laughs> like one of the most embarrassing things that we ever did was like, uh, I was in a band in high school and we played like, kind of like pop punk, like mm-hmm. punk rock. And our very first show was a battle of the bands at a local, uh, like raceway. It was like, it was like a, where they did like, you know, uh, NASCAR style racing and stuff like that. It was weird. They had a battle of the bands there. So this is like. South Carolina racetrack. Yeah. And then me and my friends, the first show we ever played publicly, this was our very first show. And um, we're playing like pop punk to all these people who are just like fans of racing and stuff like that. And then we did a pop punk cover of Sweet Home Alabama. And it it did not go well. (laughs) Did you, were you expecting it to not go well? No, we were kind of like, yeah, this will, people people love uh, the song. This will be great. And like, no one was like, 
reacting. It wasn't like we, it, no one was like angry. It was just like no reaction at all. And then like one of my toms for my drums just like fell off the stage. <laughs> and it's just like, it was, and it was like, this was our first like, you know, guys, we're a band. Let's like really try to do this thing. We found yeah. a show. Let's play. And it was like, it really, uh, Reigned us in quite a bit. <laughs> we didn't win that battle. Of the so bands. it's not like okay. I was expecting people to boo you, being like Alabama no, sucks. Someone did <sighs> yell um, "Freebird" like in the middle of the song, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it didn't get like violent or anything. It was just yeah. like we all just like hung our heads afterward and we're like, "Well, that went poorly." <laughs> oh boy, I feel like I told this story before, but I don't know. It was like a homecoming king thing or something <laughs> okay. like that. It was like some sort of competition, and I was in it uh, with my dear friend Ashley. And uh, and we all were like being introduced, and they're like blasting music to the gymnasium. And then everybody like, came up from behind a curtain, and was like, "Oh, here's your couple in contention, or whatever the hell." And uh, and they're playing the stupid music. Maybe it was like Cotton Eye Joe. I don't remember. And I was like, "Ashley, this will be really funny. Get on my shoulders, and we'll come out, and you'll be like on my shoulders." And she was the same. She's like, "Yeah, sure." So then she came out, and then I was like, "You know, it'd be funnier." is if I was dancing to Cotton Eye Joe as we came up from behind the curtain. Oh, so I was trying no. to dance with her on my shoulders. And this is like at a high school like, yes, event? Okay. Yeah, at the full gymnasium. And then immediately fell. <laughs> and she like slammed into the gym floor. And uh, we did okay? not win Homecoming King and Queen. Um, no, she passed away. Uh, severe <laughs> brain damage, but she'll be missed. Anyways, uh, Crater says, Ahoy, uh, cohort-loving computers. You got it. I've been catching up on podcasts the past few days and noticed MinMax was mentioned on the 200th episode of Easy Allies, as well as the most recent 8-4 Play podcast. So how does it feel to be noticed by Senpai? Uh, It's exciting, Genuinely better than sex. (laughs) It is the best thing on planet Earth to hear a podcast that you love mention our basement. (laughs) What if if MinMax was mentioned during sex? It frequently is. Okay. <laughs> what if it was a sex podcast? Oh, great. Come oh, is that soon. the new show? That's right. We're a podcast, <laughs> podcast network hour. after all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Like, the Easy Allies one made me laugh so much, and the A4 one, I think it came up a couple times. They were talking about the deepest dive for Crown Trigger and stuff. I was oh, like, okay. oh, thank God. Because they were talking about Crown Trigger on the show, and in my mind, it's like, God, that'd be sweet. Did somebody mention it? Then Mark McDonald did, which is very sweet. Um, anyways, uh, Joshua Caleb says, what's a bad game that you unironically love? Everyone knows it's bad. You know it's bad. <laughs> but there's just something about it. The art style, the story, the soundtrack, the character, or the positive memories. Bad game you love. I mean, I I really like Bionic Commander Rearm 2, and that game did not do well critically oh. at all, or sales-wise, because they didn't, never followed it up. It's never been ported. It's that is not... a two, that's the 2D one, right? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, the second one is the one you like, but yeah. how much does the soundtrack? Because that seems up your alley. The, the, the soundtrack is very good, but I also like, you know, just being able to jump and, and you know, the way that they change the controls uh, to make them a lot more intuitive. I think mm-hmm. the levels in that game are really cool. Uh, in that you can climb them very quickly, and then like if you if you fall at the top, like you'll often like they're constructed in such a way that you can uh, fall to the very bottom of the level, but you can very quickly climb back up again. There's some really cool set pieces, and I think the bosses work for the most part. Yeah. Um, but people didn't really, yeah, like that game very much. Did it uh, didn't review well overall? I don't think it reviewed well at all. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Lost World on PlayStation One. I know it's not a good game, but it's so. Near and dear to my heart is the first game I got for PlayStation 1 alongside Crash 2. Uh, I'm sorry, Crash 1. Uh, but I still think the soundtrack to that game is awesome. And it's Giacchino who went on to do Pixar, and now oh, he really? composes every single movie released. Yeah, He does them all. Good for him. Yeah. Mm, that's, a, that's a lot of work. <laughs> my, uh, the, re- the one that I kind of thought of was that recently for me is uh, One Piece World Seeker. 
I, oh, yeah. I really like that game, but I was like on the high end of that sort of like Metacritic review. Like everyone else was much lower. And I, I'll still check into that game periodically and like run around as Luffy because I think it's just like fun to control. I think it's fun to run around that world. But yeah, I've I've gotten tweets from people who are, are both like, hey, thanks for recommending that. I really enjoyed it. And tweets from people who are like, well, I gave it a shot and I did not like that game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say the original Ninja Gaiden games, I feel what? like. They're, are... they're beloved. Beloved only because they're so hard. And I don't. I don't know about that. I I enjoy playing those games and I've played through all of them a lot. I wouldn't I wouldn't point to them. I wouldn't try and defend them for mm-hmm. any reason. Mm-hmm. I don't think the level design is that interesting. I don't think the controls are very good. It is just that that repetition and playing through it of I've done something hard and that feels like an accomplishment. But. Yeah. TJ Starman. Starman. He says, Hey Hen Banson and the Nim. Zam crew backwards. Uh, he says, "Hey, important question here. How do you feel about snacking while gaming? Do you enjoy it? Are you like me and avoid it for fear of getting popcorn butter or Dorito dust on your precious Dual Shock? What's your ideal snack setup for a gaming session? All about that content." <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun way to sign up. <laughs> no, okay. Um, I'm not opposed I, to it. I don't do it I typically. Do it yeah, because I, yeah, I don't want to gunk up those controllers. If mm-hmm. I had like what some sort eating? of Oh, just the filthiest, crunchiest. <laughs> just not the sloppy joes and nachos all the time. Sloppy joe with an RTS with game? Hands, oh, that's a good combo. Just stick my hands into the nachos <laughs> and just shove them in my face. Cereal, what about you, Mr. Mincenax himself? Uh, every once in a while, it depends on the food. But like, for I, I do have that same fear of like, I don't want to get the controller dirty. But if it's a... It's a food that doesn't really require that. Like sometimes I'll just like have a bag of chips and something and I'll just kind of pour it instead of actually pour, putting the, my Just trying to there. get it to avoid your... Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's not often that I like. I usually like to have my meals cordoned off from whenever I play stuff. Just because I like to watch stuff while I'm eating, I don't like to play because I know that I, it's just going to be a weird thing where I, I'll either get so into the game that I ignore what I'm eating completely and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be cold, or I'll just eat at some point while I'm, when I should be playing. I don't know. Yeah, man. <laughs> Chris Lopez says, "Hey everyone, which remake slash re-release from this generation made you the most excited? There have been a lot of great ones, but the recent release of Vanquish had me more excited than I expected, and played through all of it right when it came out. Speaking of short games, were there any games like this from this generation that had you wanting to play immediately when they were released? Uh, I think for me, it was probably like the, the Shadow of the Colossus remake was the first, yeah. like was the one where I saw it announced because I don't think it had been rumored too much. Yeah, it seemed like it, it was, was a total surprise yeah. for me. Yeah, it just really felt like oh, the, the PS3 version point. just came out. That version's so great. Like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a confusing and release. So, like, I saw that trailer. I think at E3 and was like, oh, I want to play that. Like, and now that it's game. on PlayStation Plus for March. Mm. Yeah, which oh, is cool. super exciting. If you've never played that game, you should. do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, mine was the same. Yeah, that one totally love that game. Uh, James Smith says, hello, Ben Goldenrod Hansen. I don't get that reference, but thank you, Smithy. So I heard Hansen say once that a big part of the joy of Final Fantasy VII is realizing how much more there is in the game than Midgar. So I'm wondering now, maybe they're just pretending that the game is only Midgar so they can surprise people again in a similar way. That would explain the game being called Final Fantasy VII instead of Final Fantasy VII Part One, which is something a lot of people are unimpressed with. They've been working on this game for so long. Is it so far-fetched to think they made the whole game and are keeping it under wraps? No, no. universe. That would be cool. It would, would be, be awesome, cool. but no. I think they're taking yeah. it. The, I mean, they had the box art, right? You know what I'm talking about? And the back of the box says, like, the Midgar finish line. Well, no. in the right? I, No, that's the frustrating thing is I don't believe it does. 
Oh, I thought it did. No, I thought it said the, like experience Final Fantasy VII up through such and such. Like I thought in it the YouTube had... description we talked about in last week's episode of the podcast. In the YouTube description for the latest video, they mention it there. Oh, but okay. I don't believe on the remix box art it makes it clear in a big way. Because that was that was the two big things I thought was like they revealed the uh, it's going to be like a hundred gigabytes. And then it had Ooh. that like paragraph. Oh, maybe you're right then. Yeah. I actually didn't look at that story because I just saw like, oh, here's the download size. And yeah. like, who cares? I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, download sizes. I think is interesting actually. But um, yeah, because it was on Reddit and then the, the it got taken down. Yeah, so. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Well, let's see here. Uh, leaked box art says the remake file size. Come on, load. <laughs> they also say, oh, Midgar remake. It's only is- the Midgar chapter. Yeah, and leaves out the rest of the massive overworld. Okay, well, that's their version of it, but I want to see the actual wording. Yeah, it's, that's not... I can't so Hanson pulled up a picture, and it's kind of a blurry shot, but, like, I... I who, James asked that question? Yes, maybe. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up, man. Yeah, Don't if, do if, it. If, I would if love it. If it is the entire cool. game, there's no reason for them to, it's, to not have clarified that by now. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tim Holt says, Gents, a few days ago, THQ Nordic bought Saber Interactive for $500 million. That's one-fifth the price Microsoft paid for Mojang and twice the price that Sony paid for Insomniac. I'm going to personally repeat here. That's twice the price that Sony (laughs) paid for Insomniac. What am I missing here? What's the business case for this purchase? Part of the Uh deal is incentive-based, but this still seems like a lot of money for the studio that brought us such titles as World War Z, NBA Playgrounds, and Spin Tires colon Mud Runner. (laughs) They also recently poured Witcher 3 to the Switch. Does Tim Willits have the next Fortnite cooking up over there? I don't so know. Tim Willits, yeah, left it and it's okay. interactive. I mean, THQ Nordic's kind of loaded, you know. No one knows how or why. It's, well, there's an investor like uh, like in Switzerland or something. Varimland. Oh, is it that Solid Gold there's Man? A, he has a name like mm-hmm. uh, Wingafors. Oh, really? And he's like an inve- He's just this like has a crap ton of money to throw away and he loves saber interactives it's got to be some kind of tax haven scheme or something Maybe. but he was, they have bought so many so many studios and then licenses yeah. and stuff yeah. and what are they doing with them i just I mean, want time splitters i just want time splitters too man please please just, just give us time splitters but that is a lot of money for that studio i mean it's I, confusing i like world war z a lot but 500 million dollars <laughs> a lot million, i can I see like so. a, i can see a couple of business cases where it gives them another studio to make original properties or like use their license stuff um the switch port thing might also be significant since they can be a licensed studio of like hey here's if we're porting it to switch in the same way that we are you know porting uh the witcher 3 then it makes sense that here's a massive game that we're putting on a on a platform that has been known to be uh, a place where games can be successful it yeah. seems like a lot of surefire hits so it's like hey saber you know how to do this stuff just keep doing that yeah uh, so okay so thq just needs ports so right, let's like, go to instead yeah. of buying iron galaxy or something which also does a lot so, of ports so the next like, time yeah. someone says like hey we need this high budget port to switch you're gonna have to go through thq basically the if you right. want the saber people to, to do it and I, then yeah and i mean they are talented like that list of games there are all pretty unique you know and they yeah. do a lot of like help they do like help right. on a lot of other studios, so I think they're. I think it's a talented group over there, but it is. It is surprising, yeah. and they have roots, you know, doing some Halo stuff, Doom stuff. Yes, um, yeah, Halo as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I mean, they do seem like they could have talent to maybe apply towards the time splitters, which my fingers are crossed for, but we'll see. Because I thought it was going to be, oh, help me, Lord. <sighs> Darksiders? No, <laughs> I have no idea the, what you're trying to get at here. The studio. Okay. Uh, where one of the co-creators of GoldenEye, the art director, works. Sumo. Sorry, I oh, thought it was going to be Sumo, but there then... There we go. Were they also purchased? 
Sumo, Sumo? Interactive. I don't think so. Wasn't there news about that a little while ago? They're breaking in that Crackdown 3 money, baby. Uh, yeah, maybe they're still independent. I think they're done raking. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> now they're just check, going outside and checking to see the if they're going to The fell off the handle. <laughs> 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 Anyways, uh, Adam Cohen says, Hello, Maxers. How much does it bother you when video games have, quote, very video gamey things? For instance, in Jedi Fallen Order, when Cal learns to force push but can't force pull until he learns it later, or in God of War in the cutscenes when Kratos can jump really high in the air and break mountains apart with his rage but then can't solve a puzzle because there's a rock in the way, <laughs> or you need to put the crystal in place to create the light bridge to connect the distances that are longer than the normal gameplay jumping ability. Or in open world games when the main quest says, hurry up or the world will end, but there's still a lot of shopping and side missions to do. It's a silly little thing, but does it bother you? Does it take you out of the experience? Yeah, it, I'm always obsessed with that idea that calling something video gamey is a pejorative, like especially in a film. Like if a film review is like this, it's video gamey. Whereas in a game, if you call something cinematic in a game, it's seen as a positive thing. Oh, sure, sure. It's a weird flip. But yeah, I, I kind of like it. Like I appreciate in God of War, like those kind of dopey moments like, okay, line up the things in Alfheim and then cut the little living tentacle things in the right angle where it's like, I like it when there's just a good splash of old school video gaminess in this thing. Yeah, I I really don't, like all those examples like really don't bug me much. I think about the only one is if there is like uh, an item like hidden behind a wall, mm -hmm. but like the hole that's there like is big enough for your character model to go through. Like it feels like if it if it doesn't, fit like geometrically yeah so that kind of bugs me but like those examples that they listed like jumping really high in a cutscene or like having to extend a bridge because you can't jump far that I, I like that stuff that's, that's stuff video game. the yeah. last one does bug me though in terms of oh you have to do this right now because you know mm -hmm. that you don't have to and that that kind of thing takes me out of it where I, it always feels like a missed opportunity because if there was a sense of urgency that was kind of built into it like mm -hmm. if you only said you have to do this now when you actually had to do that now i feel like that would be so much more intense but even now when i play games sometimes it it tricks me where there actually is a time component to it right. but i just assume that it, there isn't one and i'm opening every box or whatever yeah what am i on. sonic people of stopping time to do all these yeah. side quests no no we went over this <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> Adam Cohen says, also, hey, I don't know. Here's a weird experience I had. We're in a rental car, and GPS was still relatively new, but this one had it. I think we're in a parking garage trying to find a spot, and the GPS was going haywire. It kept telling us to do things like to get back on track. Finally, somebody in the car just said, turn it off, and immediately the GPS said, no. <laughs> we all looked at each other to make sure this was in fact what we heard and it was and none of us can explain it <laughs> well that all was right. a call back to our same, same weird yeah. supernatural stuff yeah and to be fair I was hoping for like fun coincidences but almost everybody wrote in with supernatural freaky stuff <laughs> so this is turning into ghost story hour but if you want to steer it back towards fun coincidences that have happened in your life Please submit a comment uh -huh. at patreon.com. And wait for MinMax Spook Show, which is going to be another new that's series. Right. That's yeah. right. Uh, We're to that name? <laughs> that's right. Brayden Summers says, hey, Hanson and company, get a load of this weird story. Cast your mind back to the distant year of 2015 when a little movie called Fifty Shades of Grey released in theaters. <laughs> oh, by the way, we should review all these 1 through 10 on the... On the mm. uh, uh, the scare scale? No, I don't, no, it shouldn't be scare, but just like the weirdness eerie. scale. Okay. Yes, eerie. Eerie. So what is the GPS says? It's like no. a four or on five. A, on a sweat, 10 out of 10? Yeah. Like a is a five, five average? Yeah, is I it because so. you were not believing that this happened no, and Adam I, Cohen's a liar? I just, 
No, I don't think they're a liar. I think like it could have been referring to a street. Okay. And but is that factoring into the something. review? Is my point? Yes. Okay. I think the story as told is a fact. Okay. I don't. I sure. believe all the story. It's. I don't. It's. We're not rating on veracity. We're rating on eerie because we can't. Yeah, that's right. I feel like sometimes voice <laughs> command AI stuff builds fun things like that in because I've definitely sworn at Google Lady and she's I been don't like, think don't it's use voice that commands. language. It wasn't a voice command thing. It's not a voice command thing, and the GPS just said, said no. something. <laughs> yes. Well, it speaks. But also, you don't they were in a rental car, it. and they didn't know how mm. it worked necessarily. I don't know, man. Anyways, Braden Summers. All right, year 2015. A little movie called Fifty Shades of Grey released in theaters. Around this time, I distinctly remember my friend recommending me this short YouTube video called Fifty Shades of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Boy. I didn't yeah. get around to watching it for a few weeks, but once I did, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I decided to go back to my friend and let him know I liked it. Uh, but lo and behold, he said he'd never heard of it before. How did I come up with this very specific idea that already existed? Or was it a simple Jeffum-like case of my friend lying to me? <laughs> Either way, it's a terrific video. This is like just another friend recommended. This is like yeah, a three. Yeah. A this friend. is about a two. Yeah. Or, the friend, or the friend just forgot about it, you know? It's got to be probably recommended videos that I've forgotten existed. Braden, thank you for your support and for writing in, but giving this a two, buddy. <laughs> Sincerely, Eric says... My wife has always experienced paranormal things and tried to tell me the house she lived in when we dated was haunted, and she said and she was too. What? Okay, these were the order of events from my end. At what point at one point I was in one of her rooms and was looking past her into the hallway, and I saw an overgrown black shadow move past, like that thing from Spirited Away, but without the mask. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mention it to her. We were on a Skype call late one night, and she wanted me to stay on while she fell asleep because she felt uncomfortable or uneasy. She fell asleep, but I kept my phone on, and I was watching TV with it next to me. At one point, I hear her make a noise, so I look over. She's still asleep, so her phone is just on her face. A voice then that is not hers, and her mouth does not move, says, Good night, and then her phone dies and the call shuts off. <laughs> That's good. That's freaky. Mm. All right. What did he do at that point? Well, he said then, he, like, his wife was in a, a bad state emotionally, and then he had a dream where he fought a big black thing like that, like the big shadow figure. Mm. And then after that, he said his wife was fine and she wasn't uneasy in the house anymore. What? He did it. He solved it. Solved it. Man. Okay, but still, if someone says good night and then you're in, then you. Your wife's phone dies and it goes to black. Like you have to call the police. You got to get in the at car. That point, yeah. Or you just have to assume that there was a little bit of lag, so the okay. the video didn't catch up with the audio. Shut or... up, Kyle. What would you give this, <laughs> Jeff? Um? Uh, let's go seven and a half. Really? Wow. Okay. Seven point five. Charles Davis says, "Thanks so much for awarding a international like myself question of the week last week. It lifted me up on an otherwise pretty crappy day, and I'm glad that I made the show better." He's the one who originally suggested this. Here's my own weird thing I can't explain in case you wanted to follow it up. Uh, about t- <laughs> This is so silly. Okay. About 10 years ago, me and my best friend were driving home from university and, I kid you not, drove through the end of a rainbow. <laughs> Rainbows are optical illusions, so it just shouldn't be scientifically possible. But my friend remembers it as well. Everything on the road was illuminated in the full spectrum of a rainbow color. Uh, looking out through the window, we could see the arch of the rainbow towering up and over a hill that ran parallel to the road. It sounds really cheesy, but it was honestly one of the most remarkable and magical moments I've ever witnessed. Me and my friend both know it happened, but we also can't explain it. 
That's the Weird. silliest idea. I mean, it's all an optical illusion to begin with, right? So it just... Yeah, but it's a very specific optical illusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have been the windshield. Maybe. All right. I love this one, man. It's weird. It's, it's weird. It's good. What's the explanation? You're just like closer to the rainbow. The rainbow is bigger. But well, the rainbows is, are not but physical But he's making objects. it seem like it's like a... <laughs> she drove through it. He's <laughs> making it seem like it's just like an alien beam yeah. of like rainbow mm-hmm. colors. I don't know. I don't know, man. They were on I drugs. This. <laughs> oh, yeah, Charles, drugs. drugs. Okay, but Serial, yeah. what's that score? Uh, what's that ear meter? <laughs> that's the mirror like That's like a three or four. Three. What? This is the most like, beautiful story I've ever heard in my life. You're gonna but I'm not rating it on whether or not it's beautiful. I'm rating it on whether or not it's spooky. It's not spooky because right. at the end of the day, it's a rainbow. All right. Well, we'll try this one on for There size. was a naked leprechaun, though, that jumped out well, that, under that, the that's windshield. Not <laughs> oh, that's, that's you making stuff up. Uh, Dougie Fresh to Deaf writes in and says, Hey, I grew up in a rural Vermont farmhouse built during the early 1800s. One day during the summer before my senior year in high school, I was out mowing the lawn. While mowing the side of my house... By the driveway, I happened to look up at the attic window. I saw clear as day a person in the window and thought it was strange that my dad would be in the attic. As I came around the house, I saw my dad standing in the kitchen through the window. I instantly stopped the mower, walked inside, and asked if he'd been in the attic, knowing there's no way he could have been. He said no, and when I told him about that, about what I saw, he completely blew it off. Now, I'm not a big ghost believer, but I cannot explain that experience. To me, I saw clear as day a person in the window. Later on, when I talked to my brother about it, he was off in the military... He said with a matter-of-fact tone, when we were younger, I used to wake up and see a lady at the foot of your bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a brother reply. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but that's freaky. Okay, and so... Like that. Eight? a deaky. Eight. All right. Nate McClellan says, hello, Ben and the Computer Living co-host. Hello, close enough. Last week, you finally said to write in with something strange that happened to you and can't explain. Well, one summer, while staying at my mom's, my mom was at work. It was late at night. My brother was sleeping in his room and I was watching TV. I heard a noise come from the kitchen that sounded like that dog toy that's a pig that makes squealing noises when the dog <laughs> plays with it. Only pro- it. The only problem is we don't have a dog. Mm-hmm. It happened twice and after, after that I mustered up the courage to look. I go down the hall to my brother's room and ask if he's awake. He says, yes. I said, did you hear that weird noise from the kitchen? He said, no, but why did you just run down the hall into mom's room? Dude, our our listeners are all haunted. <laughs> <laughs> the most haunted Patreon on the internet. He it's says, freaky. I slept in his room on the floor that night. We still have no idea what that noise was, but every once in a while, I'll ask him if he remembers it. And he says, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one gave me goosebumps as I read it. That one freaked uh, me out. Uh, given that, Nate. All right. But again... We want coincidences and, <laughs> and weird things, not all ghost stories. Because it's a fine line, but I'm trying to steer it eh. on a certain edge, you know? Anyways, okay, here's a nice follow-up. Devin Rarden says, hey, guys, what specific games do you think have the best morality systems? I enjoy games like Fallout New Vegas that use a reputation system for different factions. Follow-up question, what are some of the most difficult decisions you made while playing a game? Well, that's too much. We'll get to that later. Um but the best morality systems. What do you guys like? Mm. Kind of like when they're hidden, honestly. I I was gonna say I like the ones where it's not an actual system. They just give you hard choices, mm. and so you're not you're not looking at a meter filling up one way or the other. You are just actually considering the choices as you're right, going. Right, right. Um, Which is a cop out, admittedly, but it's true. I like the uh, Mega Man Legends system. Subtle, not in your face, but if you keep 
kicking the can and blowing stuff up, blowing up the uh, vending machines, you turn black. Like mm. you turn from blue to black, so you can just—it's super cool. Then it like slowly fades with time. Such mm. a weird idea. PlayStation One. It's very neat. Yeah. Uh, I think I feel like maybe Civ to some degree has like really interesting decisions in that you're kind of choosing your allegiances to other nations, and then those nations value some things over the other, and. It, you're not it's not like an explicit thing where it's like hey this nation is like killing its people so are you going to ally with them but it's more like what are you like this this region is attacking this region who are you going to choose kind mm-hmm. of thing based on the resource like you're making decisions in ways that i think actual countries would do it and like well this region has been attacking other nations but they kind of have a pipeline to the resources that i want so i want to uh, ally myself with that so you're region. defining your own morality yeah yeah basically yeah. do you guys see that uh, story going around where somebody who Worked on Mass Effect so that 92% of Mass Effect players were Paragon. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like they put all this work into the Renegade path and apparently only 8% of people were like, yeah, that's for me. That's wild to see that number out there. Yeah. And then like a lot of other developers were jumping in and being like, yep, same here. All evil choices just don't get seen. It's a real bummer. So gamers are good. Gamers are good. I like to think they are. <laughs> Chris Logan says, hello, cohorts. Over the years, new hardware often meant new and unique tech and innovations. Some examples include the Dreamcast VMU, the rear touchpad on the Vita, and of course, the Wii Motion controls. My question is, which hardware innovation was the most underutilized and underappreciated in your opinion? I feel like the Wii remote controls were pretty widely utilized. <laughs> well, well, he's just listing just other, uh, like, yeah. There was a lot of functions of the Wii remote that like no one ever did anything with like it had memory on there like you could put stuff on the controller and like the what? idea was like you could put yeah. your me on the controller and like take it to other Wii's and stuff oh, like that but interesting. like no one ever took advantage of it or did it yeah it, i want to say know? like there was a game maybe it was smash brothers where you could save like your me data or something i don't know if i don't think they had me fighter design but it's yeah. like there was a game where maybe it was mario kart because you could play as the me in that one right and yeah you could you could save the me your me look onto your Wii remote and then when you brought it to a friend's house you could drive as the me that you yeah. saved to the controller. Like, I like the idea of, like, the Wii remote being sort of, like, like your connection your to not even just your Wii, of. but, like, other Wiis. Like, it was the right. piece mm. that you took with you to, like, a friend's house, but it, like, man, I don't think anyone ever really did anything with it. Mm-hmm. Way, yeah. You know? yeah, it's a weird one. Felix Davin says, Hey, friendos, I have a very touching question. Which systems have you actually physically not touched? <laughs> Which consoles have you okay. never touched? <laughs> I was thinking about like, man, all the time at Game Informer, mm. have I ever touched a Saturn? I, I might have moved one in a cupboard once or something yeah. in Game Informer, right? Like a Jaguar, maybe. Did we you did touch like, a Jaguar? I think the animal. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't. I think I might might have had a friend that had one, and then we. I think there was one at Game Informer that we tried to do for an episode of replay once, but we never. Mm-hmm. I did that that uh, feature where I wrote, uh, I ranked the controllers. Yeah. And so I had to kind of go around and track them down, and one of them was like a Jaguar controller. But yeah. Yeah, Saturn? At- Atari 2600? There's a good chance I've never touched yeah. one. Yeah, I don't think I've touched I've touched yeah. the joystick for one, but not the actual console. Right. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough <laughs> working in game form because, like, all that, there's, like, a lot of history there. So, like, that stuff was, like, around the office. Yeah, yeah like, you, know, you blew ball. it. There's, there's yeah. a lot you of should have just in gone in and touched everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> missed our shot. Uh, by the way, Felix here is the guy who put... Uh, Game Informer into Sonic Canon. Oh, right. Or is that right. to Super Replay yeah, in Sonic yeah. Boom? Yeah. Hey, Felix. Um, Nick Ludeman says, hey, bridging off a question from last week, what are your favorite places in the U.S. of A. to visit? I've been wanting to do more traveling of God's country, but I don't know where to start. What do you enjoy visiting, and do you have any new t- tips? New any, tips? Any, any tips for newbie travelers? 
don't visit that many places in the U.S. Like, I like going to San Francisco. I like visiting San Francisco. Really? Especially, like, the drive from the airport to, the, like, the city itself where you see all these houses along the cliffside. I think it's a really cool, like, look, basically. But, okay. Um, I I don't know that I'd live there, but I like when I visit San Francisco, it's usually, like, there's usually always something fun to see. Like, I like the way... The the I like the architecture of a lot of their houses and like the way their their streets are very like slanted. Even though I as like I imagine that if I lived there, I think that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. But just visiting there, it's fun. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you ever heard of the Wisconsin Dells? No, the best place in the United States. It's really it's up there with like Seattle and Austin. <laughs> That's and actually I was gonna say Seattle. I like Seattle. It's yeah. good, but. Wisconsin Dells. It's not Wisconsin Dells. It's the water park capital of the world. It's the best. It's like a town of 2,000 people. I know I was just talking about the Game Informer show, but I went there in a big way for the first time last summer, and it's like mind-blowing. It is the coolest place on earth. So Jeff, have you so been? You, no, but you've been there once? Well, I went as a kid, Oh, okay. and it was kind of like this hazy memory, uh, and then going as an adult, I was like, what the hell? This is <laughs> the best <laughs> idea of just packing all these... You could say touristy, but just weird novelty things like, hey, take a tour of the White House that's life-size and upside down. You're like, hey, here's a big King Kong statue. Yeah, it's wild. That town is filled with just like the weirdest things you've ever seen. And there's 2,000 people there. Parking's abundant. There's water parks up the butt. It's the best. Anyways, Rich Carrasco says, hey, Maxers, when was the last time you judged a game by its cover and were surprised about how much you enjoyed it? Mine was Shadow of the Colossus. I had no idea what the game was about before I bought it, but the image of the Colossi on the cover was enough for me to want to play it. It's a good cover. Yeah, this is tough. Before mm-hmm. Googling it, I mean, yeah. anything. I mean, yeah, For I imagine all of us at the table have a pretty good knowledge of, like, games before we touch them, mm-hmm. you know? Right. But uh, my wife was, was a big fan of, like, she doesn't read about video games, really, or previews or anything like that. She, mm-hmm. she is a big fan of just going to a store and just grabbing something off the shelf and giving it a shot. And, like... She has had some incredible luck with it because, like, she found the original Nier that way, mm. which was, like, one of her favorite games of all time. And she also found Deadly Premonition that way, which was, like, because, like, I would even not tell her things. Mm-hmm. Like, she would just be like, this looks interesting. And I was like, do you want to know anything about it? She's like, no. And then, like, she found some awesome games that way. Isn't it's, it also it's, just, why not just Google a score or something? Because she just wants zero. Like, she doesn't even want any influence on her opinion whatsoever. She just wants to go in completely blind. Isn't that an opportunity to waste a lot of money? I mean, you can just return that stuff if it's awful. Really? Yeah. Big returning family? Sure, I guess. I mean, <laughs> if I'm if I'm within the return policy, the you act week. like it's some like morally ambiguous I'm, thing. I hate returning things. You know, uh, GOG.com, they updated their policy today where you can return any game you purchase for any reason within 30 days. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Wow. wow. I'm going to go return a bunch of games. Now. Yeah, uh, you can. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that I, I bought Soul Calibur 2 Sight Unseen because Link was on the cover. Oh, sure. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, 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 definitely. I remember just being obsessed with Rascal on PlayStation 1, just <laughs> studying that cover, because for some reason in the 90s, like, that's the coolest looking kid. <laughs> it's just the new Sonic, Sonic man. <laughs> Keenan Harrell says, hey, everyone, first time, long time, happy new patron. We'd like to announce a new policy where we do this every time someone says they're a new patron. Yep. I mean, hey, if it gets us more patrons, I'll clap. As a guy. <laughs> uh, excuse me. As a guy in his early 30s with a hectic life, the time available to put in our beloved hobby becomes smaller and more precious every day. I was wondering if the CLCs had any ideas on, on ways developers could implement options into games that allow the players to customize the overall duration of a game. Mm. For example, Outer Worlds has many quest types, main story, side quests, companion quests, faction quests, tasks, blah, 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 blah. 
summarizing here, he says, the last generation we saw new game options that allowed us to scale the difficulty of puzzles and combat and exploration separately with Tomb Raider. Why not have some options that allow players to curb the game to fit with their availability? I know this wouldn't work for multiplayer games, but I think there are plenty of single-player games that you should be able to have a flexibility thing of, like, how long do you want this experience to be? Yeah. Which I think is a fun idea. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, like, difficulty settings to a certain degree do touch on that a little bit. Like, because I... Well, there's been occasions in the recent years where I will play something on easy just because it's like, well... I know I won't have to refight this boss as mm-hmm. much if I just play it on right. easy. Um, I mean, even yeah. in the the ZX collection, right? Just the the safe points, basically what they yeah. help with is like if I die X number of times, I won't have to repeat this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus I can like the boss is still the boss if you just have the safe points yeah. on. Yeah. And isn't it kind of like it's a it's an interesting thought, Keenan? But at the same time, isn't it kind of like already there? We just, already have that. Yeah, because it's, it's the, the main quest versus side quest. Right? So Can't you just manually choose that? There are times though where like depending on the difficulty of the game, you might feel encouraged to because like, well, I need to do these quests so I can tackle the main stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe just like a the idea of like, you know, if you put it on easy, then you can just say like, hey, let like make the leveling curve such that I don't need side quests at all. Uh, and I can also, just plow through the main story stuff. I mean, it's also that thing, you know, that FOMO thing that you can't, I don't, I don't know how to get around it of just like, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm getting the full experience mm-hmm. if I'm skipping yeah. these side quests. If stuff, you want to do is, it. But I yeah. do like the idea of it of a game telling you at the beginning, okay, how many hours do you want to play this for? Yeah. And if it could somehow extend or shorten the arc based on that, it wouldn't work for, you know, narrative-driven games probably. But if, uh, you know, does does Civilization have an option like that? Yeah, I mean, you can play, You can. there are modes where you can play, like, uh, sm- small map or whatever, or make the turns go by faster, or things like that. Like, there's, I mean, in SimCity, you can literally speed things up, right? And right. CD building sims. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, like, XCOM is not, do they have something like that? Yeah. <laughs> have you played the game? I'm, I guess I'm not, I guess, yeah, I maybe they already have those kind of things, but it would be nice if you could sit down with an XCOM and say, hey, I want I want to play this for 10 hours. Right. And yeah. so figure out how you're going to fit a campaign into that amount of time yeah yeah i agree we also we talked with i think it was jack that we talked with about it right like how some a lot of like rpg like ports like final fantasy 7 or 12 yeah. like have fast forward and how we buttons. want that on the system yeah, yeah i would love that grizzled gaming says everyone is weird in their own way so it's okay Kyle. Mm. but some people hide it better than Thank others you, grizzled. be honest and rate yourself on a scale of one to ten well, i guess we're putting ourselves on the eerie meter um for how weird you think you are weird yeah then have the others rate you on how weird they perceive you to be. Okay. Okay, so everybody lock in your numbers. Very five good. average, we're saying? Yeah. Is five like a normal person? Or well, what would a four be then? If five, is a- if five means you're an average person, what's a four? Oh, okay. So I guess one is just normal. <laughs> okay, so Hang one on. is average, <laughs> ten is a freak, and you should be... Yeah, ten, 10 is the Joker. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Right? 10, 10, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> a Joker lifestyle. That's right. Um, okay. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm a weird guy. We, yeah, I don't know. I probably, if 10's the Joker, <laughs> probably a 4? So if you're a 4, I'd mm. put myself at like a 2. You <laughs> Yeah, you're higher than a 4, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah. So. But I'm not like... You know, we like you. No, but you can be an oddball. I'm a weird guy, but like I'm not saving my peepee in jars. Or I don't have. That's like an eight. Wait, yeah, so yeah I, don't, I don't go to like 
Fetish Town USA Wait, in the bedroom or anything. Hey, like, don't save your pee in jars. <laughs> I don't think so. But so clipping. So right ten up. is criminal. Nine is weird sex pervert stuff. <laughs> Eight is like I guess so. Compulsive. The billionaire. The aviator. Yeah, compulsive like uh, pee in jars. Pee pee in jars. Eat, eat mm. your scabs. <laughs> God, that's worse than sex fetish. Is that- <laughs> The scale is all screwed up. Uh, I think we've just proven that we're all weird. Uh, Okay. We didn't get what's your number. Yeah, you can't just dodge this bullet. It depends. It depends on what your number is. I was going on. Forget the number. Forget the number. Do you think you're weird? Yeah, of course. Why? We're all weird. What's weird about you? I don't know. I well, for one, when we do a podcast, I have to be pushed all the way in (laughs) and I need these as close to the edge Uh as I can get them. It's called edging, yeah. Yeah. Serial, <laughs> uh-huh. are you weird? I'm probably like a five. Really? Wow. What do you think is weird about you? I don't know, but I sometimes I don't feel. No, no. there are times when, when I <laughs> he knows. Yeah, but I have a Google so Doc. I can pull up yeah. for you. Bro. That's right. Yeah. Mm. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just listing huh? things. Yeah. What do you think is weird about you? Uh, well, I like I, it's still a, like a five. It's not like crazy high it's still like medium weird i don't know we just said eight was eating your own skin though so <laughs> i never the scale, the scales up the window the scales up the window so we're now we're just trying to figure out what what we would admit to as being weird about ourselves right okay i specifically i just wanted to i feel like i spend i spent too much time doing things that i ultimately realize don't really like mean anything i like i set weird goals for myself of like this like today i'm not gonna like sit on the couch at all like just just I, as a thing that i'm going to do today <laughs> all right. sorry, Jeff was dying. i think that proves my point yeah, so i think yeah. i rest my case <laughs> because i like i like that as a goal that's that's fun for like but but the bed totally count like i will be on the bed i, I will lie on the bed but just not be in the couch but is it at all. for like kind of ocd-ish type things no or is it it's like, not like well i i'm i'm i am pretty forgetful but that's like normal but like it's mostly because like I I slept on the couch once and it hurts and it's like I don't want to be anywhere near the couch. I'm just not going to touch it today. Because you're scared you're going to fall asleep and it'll hurt you again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that hurt my side. <laughs> that one's that was a good me. question, Grizzly. Uh, Mark Cruz. Hey, he says hello, Ben and the not Bens. Um, as I recently <laughs> okay, okay, as I recently just got promoted. Congrats. And I'm making a lot more money. Quit bragging. <laughs> What's the first thing you bought uh, when you started making money? When you started making money money. Mm. I bought mm. a 1K Canada Goose jacket. It has been something I wanted since I moved to New York, but couldn't justify until now. Until now. Let me look up this. What is a Canada 1K. Goose jacket? I mean, I'm, I have a very distinct memory of getting my first like paycheck for my first like you know after school job at GameStop and mm-hmm. like being able to fill up my gas tank and it just being this like amazing exciting thing what were you doing before then just, just siphoning gas no, just putting like <laughs> a couple dollars in at a time you know what I mean like oh, so I never did that, my oh, yeah. I, that oh I always felt so sorry for everybody that had to do that yeah no like like uh gathering money from friends so I could drive them around because I had the van and stuff like that right. but uh yeah but then the first like big purchase was uh, an original Xbox and oh. Halo for me because I, I remember buying that. Yeah, I'm really cheap. Like I bought a used car like back in 2018. That was like the biggest thing <laughs> I think I've ever purchased. You know, and then but yeah. I remember like the first time. I don't know. 
I don't know if you can call Game Informer money, money even. But like, I remember going back in time to, I must have been mowing lawns. Like, it's the first thing I was doing that was considered work. I guess picking asparagus for my parents, but that doesn't really count. But uh, I remember like doing the math in my head about like, okay, if I mow a lawn every other week, then I can buy this many Pokemon cards every other week. I'm like really trying to break that down. I got so excited about like, this is going to be an overflowing amount of Pokemon many. cards. Yeah. Uh, I think mine was probably, probably after I started at Game Informer, I went and bought myself a, you know, 55 inch, I think, widescreen TV. And that, that was the first one where I was like, hey, this kind of also counts as an investment for because I'm going to be playing work, video yeah. games at home or whatever. Right. But I'm still using that TV. So there we go. In terms of payoff, that was actually a good investment. There we go. Uh, I bought an exercise, like one of the first things I bought was like an exercise bike for my really small studio. And it felt especially luxurious because it did not fit in that apartment. <laughs> oh, to, no. I had to constantly like, okay, I'm going to move. I'm going to drag it over here just so I can exercise. And then I'm going to drag it back into the closet because it does. Oh, it, like it's a very yeah. small studio apartment. Yeah. And it, it just had no place. I shouldn't have bought it, but uh-huh. I bought it and I used it. But Did it you was... just have a seat on those days that you didn't want to sit on your couch That's or your right. bed? <laughs> That's right. I said, I'm just going to be on the exercise bike all day. I'm not touching that couch. <laughs> Uh, Cody Hester says, Dear Min Max, when Jack was on the show a while back, she was talking about something and said, quote, Godzilla is very personal to me. It's very personal to me because my father, and my mind immediately filled in the rest of her sentence as, was a Godzilla. <laughs> Am I the only one who thought this? Thanks, Cody. Yes. From West Point. Yeah. Maybe my mind went there, but I'm too classy to interrupt somebody with a joke like that. Uh, Alex Edinger says, Hello, Ben and the CLCs. Uh, ben, last week you said that if your future potential children ever wanted a dog, you would play the role of a dog <laughs> instead of getting one. <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah, my weird meter's yeah. going down. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> now, I was thinking that last question, too, when you were like, ah, you know, I picked asparagus for my parents, but that doesn't really count. Oh, like, oh, I guess okay, okay. living a farmer lifestyle is weird now. Oh. <laughs> in an Irish so, accent? So, you're not, so, you're uh, really not like doing anything for your number. Uh, <laughs> Alex says, now, while I have to say your intentions may have been pure, um, Purina. Okay, we okay, here we go. Now, while I have to say your intentions may have been pure, please look at these behind the scenes <laughs> clips from Call of the Wild. To prevent any future mental trauma, I hope you reconsider. Oh, Did you see I think those? I saw these. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I want to see Call the Wild, that Harrison Ford film. CGI dog. The yeah. hot new Harrison Ford film. They had like an actor on set playing his dog the entire time and they released like behind the scenes stuff and it looks so stupid. Harrison mm. Ford was okay with that? I hated the dog. <laughs> I guess so. Like I saw Sean Murray saying, mm-hmm. tweeting something about like, release the no dog cut. <laughs> <laughs> God, if there's any actor in Hollywood oh, who seems so like good. they would not put up with that at all, it'd be Harrison Ford. <laughs> anyway, he's been hanging out with Chewie for so long. He's yeah, used to people acting as animals and stuff, right? Um, oh, no. What am I looking here? <laughs> uh, Rob Rook Hudak says, um, hey, I'm a broken record about this, but I think it always bears repeating. The main reason I enjoy being a part of the Minmax community is how positive, friendly, and welcoming everybody is. Community game nights are an absolute blast. Yeah, that's uh, organized in the Discord there. In keeping up that trend, keeping up with that trend, what is one accomplishment you're proud of another member at the table having done? Specifically besides Minmax. No waffling out of this. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you for starting Minmax, Hanson. Mm, thank you. Um, Kyle with the Gaming Right Hope podcast. Oh, thank you. That's cool. I also you posted like a YouTube video of like building. Yeah. Um, did you watch that? I did. You're in it. 
Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> you were like, "Oh, Hanson says that me having this poster is going to really hurt the acoustics." I was joking. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like it was so far away. Like this, that was just I, a dumb joke. I, you know, audio better than I would. I thought you were serious. Like, you know, audio. I put a sleeping bag on the wall. <laughs> yeah, because you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I'm proud of Surio for losing. Um, how much weight? Uh, 150. How's that going? Still 150. <laughs> <laughs> it is genuinely inspirational. It's insane. Like, oh. Yeah, it, I, it, it made me start working out more. Like, and for sure. I actually thought that multiple times at Game Informer, where you would come in in a t-shirt, and I'd be like, "Damn, his arms are skinny." He's looking good. He's looking. He's keeping it tight. Transformation. We should you. be proud of that cereal. Yeah. Thank you. I am. Kyle, I'm impressed that you wrote a book. Like that is the oh, thing that oh, I yeah. that I've. I've always thought about doing and just has never have never been able to do. How are the sales for Kama Sutra two anyway? Mm. Not, not as good as I'd like them to be. That's right, uh, Jeff. I'm proud of your recent Chrono Trigger video. That was very well written and funny and and good. <laughs> really? I don't know. That I, want, I want to like. I want to <laughs> elevate it. It's a good video. He said not no. min max stuff. Oh, not min max yeah. stuff. Oh, okay. So what do you got? Kyle. Uh, also, people are probably like, "What book are you talking about?" Oh, it's yeah. You can if you look on Amazon, it's called the Legendary World of Zelda, and it's just kind of like a, it's a nice compendium of everything Zelda. I wrote a book about Zelda, and uh, one thing I like about it is it, when you flip through it, there's lots of screenshots, and you get to see the evolution of the Zelda series over the course of time. So the best thing about the book you wrote is the pictures or of all Zelda. The screenshots. <laughs> <I took. laughs> Seems like reviewers agree. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a nice segment. This is a nice segment. Uh, um, Jeff, um, you seem very on top of your mental health. You seem like you know how to manage that well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I fooled you. <laughs> uh, except you're a notorious coward because I jumped and scared you earlier today and you did not appreciate it. But who is that? I, I like? actually am a notorious coward and I jump at stuff all the time. You think you're a coward <laughs> after I read those spooky emails or comments and stuff on Patreon? I thought I heard a sound from outside, and I genuinely got scared. Well, like, why are we recording? You have I have a skeleton in that room. That's not <laughs> a toy skeleton. He's there to protect you. Anyways, oh boy, the smack says, hey, Ben and the bubbly bubble blasters. Lately, right. I've been fascinated with video game maps. If you could create your own game, what would the map entail? Would you create a sci-fi world set on an unknown planet with hidden temples, mysterious relics, and dangerous creatures? Or maybe underground cities with a network of tunnels that utilize futuristic technology to shape surrounding caverns? Points for creativity. Hmm. i do that last one he said. That sounded pretty cool. Yeah. I don't like exploring, like, labyrinthian tunnels in video games, though. Because you get along. I just like a good... Just take Shadow of the Colossus' world and... That's about it. I just want yeah. good rolling green hills. I like really dense, compact. I'd rather have like a smaller map with like more s stuff in it. I want the know? exact opposite of that. Was it? Let's wanna... never design a game together. You, okay. want a, you want a big map with nothing in it? That's right. Death Stranding style. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I would want to make it like a fantasy world, and you know, with all the regular fantasy stuff. But the 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 thing that's weird about it is that for no reason, like if people like mapped it out on a map. It would just look like the city of Detroit for no reason. Yeah. It would just be like, it just follows the exact same shape. I don't know what this says about the meaning of the game or anything. It just it just looks exactly like Detroit. So is it a Detroit Become Human prequel? Or... That's right. Okay. I believe so. Adam Wagner, Wagner, says, hey, everybody. Um, what advice do you have for people out there trying to get into podcasting? Aside from mics, what do you recommend in terms of mixing, editing, where to put it when you have the finished product, all that stuff? Thank you. 
Yeah, well, Hans- Hanson, you really know where to put it when it comes to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you use, I mean, do you you use Premiere because you're making a video and do you just export audio from that Premiere Yeah, file? I edit all my podcasts in video editing software, which is very strange. Yeah, then okay. it's exported as an MP3 yeah. and stuff. And we host um, all of our stuff on Pinecast, which is a pretty cheap service. Mm, I know okay. a lot of people like Anchor FM, um, where I think that's more convenient for like automating ads and stuff like that. But Pinecast is like really... It's kind of a mom and pop shop. It's like this one guy created it, and it, it's really it's doing the trick for me. I really enjoyed the service and that, overall. That helps you get stuff into like RSS feeds and everything. Yeah, too. and the best like it was so fast for importing podcasts. Like when we had to <clears throat> import the Twilight Highlight Zone and Fire Inside Out mm-hmm. from maybe other servers <laughs> <laughs> to Minmaxes. That was like oh, one stop shop. Here we go. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, if you're just doing audio, GarageBand is like for that specifically yeah so also a good reminder for everybody um it's it can be very very cheap just get a blue yeti mic which you can get used for probably under a hundred dollars at this point <laughs> try, try to find a, the fallout 76 branded one. Oh, really <laughs> yeah because it's like marked down cheaper than just the standard oh, one. That's yeah funny the, there were some black friday bundles where yeah. you could get a blue yeti for 95 dollars, or you could get one with assassin's creed odyssey for 75 yeah. <laughs> exactly and then you can just record podcasts with your friends in that uh, you know there's so many there's so much free software out there. Audacity is still mm-hmm. an old staple. OBS, if you want to incorporate video in some way, you can rope it into that. It's a little more complicated that way and stuff, but not so bad at all. Um, and then create a sound booth in your basement like Kyle did. Yeah, buy some, what are they called? Back Acoustic one. sound tiles There you Amazon. Go. You got it. Yaro says, hey, Hen Banson and the LCLs, laptop carrying lackeys, he says. <laughs> I think fun. we've had this one before, but I like it. What's your favorite cutscene ever? Mine would be the secret cutscene at the end of God of War. Hmm. Number one cutscene. The secret. Is this the new? Uh, the this God of War. Oh, it must be. Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think the original had a secret one. That is very there. fun. That is a good one. God, Jeff, do you remember how good that is? Anyway, let's not draw on that. Um, <laughs> mine's still the end of Final Fantasy VIII. Like the the fake camcorder of all of them partying and Zell choking and stuff. It's the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my own life. I believe you. Thank you. I'm trying to think of because I didn't play a lot of like games like that with like pre-rendered stuff. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of Ocarina of Time cutscenes that stand out to me. Like I think they're actually talking about on Easy Allies recently. Yeah. About that cutscene that like explains the sort Were of history. Were you screaming when they got the timing wrong too? Oh <laughs> no, I mean I'm not even a huge <laughs> Ocarina fan, but I was just not like I think they're wrong here. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, there's, there's. I mean, the end of Metal Gear Solid Three, uh, I think, sure. is, is a good one. But then I think a more personal one is like I like the beginning cutscene of the Terran campaign in Brood War for StarCraft, uh, where it's like all these are like overrunning the trenches, and there's this really long conversation between the two admirals on like on board the battleship. Wait, were we just talking about that? Because were we? Yeah, we were, because you are talking about it's cool to see how big the battle cruiser is. And oh, it's like, yeah. Well, you see it in that opening cutscene. Well, yeah. not, not of the game, but it's like, because it's in the first, I thought you meant like the first cutscene of like StarCraft, period. I'm talking about like in the Brood War expansion. Right. I know yeah. what you mean, where there's oh, smoke in the cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right? that, yeah. Um, I thought you'd seen a battle cruiser before that. But anyway, know, that, that particular cutscene I think is very good, because it, it, it sets such a really strong mood for the rest of that campaign as being like real dour. <laughs> yeah. I would also uh, call out. I don't know why I always say I would also. I introduce stuff like that. <clears throat> the Last of Us ending of The Last of Us gave me goosebumps. Mm. That last final cutscene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. Adam Strayi says, "Hey, Ben and crew, what is quadruple A? I hear pe- I hear people refer to Microsoft Studio the Initiative as 
four A's, and I can't imagine what they mean exactly, especially since we haven't seen anything from them. It is pure marketing speak, which up. I guess is it's... how you can explain all the A's to AAA rating and all that stuff. But yeah, it's nonsense. They just want to call that like it was um on the Army of Two <laughs> Devil's Cartel cover story, which is getting a lot of airtime on this episode of the Min Bag <laughs> Show. This episode is sponsored by Army of Two Devil's Cartel uh-huh. from 2013. But um, on that cover story trip, talking to oh, what was the name of the studio that shut down? Um, the Dead Space. Visceral? Yes, Visceral. Thank you. Uh, talking to Visceral, they're the only studio I've ever encountered where they call themselves Quad A. And it was specifically Steve Papustis, who was the head of that studio for a while. And he, no use for a name. He has a weird connection to like the band. No use for a name. Oh. Yeah, he was in it. Was it bassist or something? I forget. <laughs> anyway, so the Steve Papustis guy, we're talking to him about Army of Two, Devil's Cartel, keep in mind. And he's like, ah, think about Visceral, man. Think about Visceral. We're, we got saying around here and it's, Quad A all day. <laughs> that was uh, that's my mm, reference to, yeah. for Quad A is just like all just, day. Yeah, yeah just stop I think that's it. the difference is that it's a triple A studio that just happens to do it all day versus yeah. forty hours yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah. And, it doesn't mean. Anything. And the the term triple A started from the phone book, right? It was just the way to get your name at the very beginning of I have the yellow no, pages. I mean, right? I think so. I guess so, but in terms of like the video game version of it, where people see it as like. The marketing budget for a game? Yeah, right. I, I know they have adopted it. It has become mm. this understanding of that means that you're a good company. But it, yeah. But originally, I think it was just to get your name up See, there. Yeah, I, I always thought it's had, had some sort of involvement with like the SEC rating things where they'll, like, they'll rate like a certain like stock or something in a country or something like a triple A or they'll mm. downgrade it to double A or whatever. Maybe that could be it too, yeah. That's, what I, that's where I thought that came from, but it, it's made up is the thing. So that doesn't yes. mean anything. And adding an extra A doesn't make you any cooler. We should do, we should run down a list of developers and rank and give them a, a rating. Of oh, a. are <laughs> you in? Are you ready for this? Or <laughs> not, it's not a full game, but oh. hey, bonus question is from software AAA. Ask Adam, and I think that's a really. I think interesting it is now. Yeah, I think so. It is now because yeah. it's more of like it a, used to be. I think when they made Dark, I think when they made Dark Souls, they were like double it. Yeah, I think it has more to do with reception than like. I mean, in terms of how I think about it, like if it's like an amazing, well, because then I would put like like Playdead's not like a AAA developer on that definition, even though it's like I think one of they made one of the best games ever. So, right. So now I'm like sort of talking myself out of that. It's but, nebulous. We yeah. can't we can't overthink it. It doesn't mean much. Um, Tom Blackburn says, "Hey, what is the likelihood that a Sony first party studio other than Media Molecule will make a PS5 game with Dreams as its engine?" Um, Sony first party, I doubt, but they were talking about how somebody was making a VR game, uh, and so that's probably a third party or second party that was contracting with them. Um, I think it's more likely that an indie developer kind of yeah, takes a shot at exactly. it. Yeah, think, exactly. I think that's going to happen. Um, Christopher Reardon says, I'm sure you knew this, but Time Moves Slow from the end of Art's Dream is a cover. Remember that song? Remember how good that song mm. was, Jeffem? It's a cover by a band called Bad Bad Not Good with a male vocalist. That song is dope, though, and I've been listening to it a lot since playing Art Stream, but I think I like the Dreams version better with the female vocalist. Can you pull some strings with uh, <laughs> Siobhan and company to get them to release a Dreams OST on Spotify? I like the idea of a Dreams soundtrack, and then it's just like a bunch of community creations and stuff. Cool. You'd have to get what you're looking at in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Taylor <laughs> Owen says, hey, MinMax, did you know the only Fable soundtrack you can listen to on Spotify 
is for the unreleased multiplayer game Fable Legends. <laughs> <laughs> so that Danny Elfman track's not up in there? I guess. Wait, Danny Elfman did a Fable He set? did the theme, yeah. Did he really? I'm second-guessing myself now, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, like, the Fable theme. Oh, that's awesome. I had no yeah. idea. Uh, Taylor says, Lately, a lot of soundtracks, especially Japanese ones, have been added to the streaming service, but there are a few holdouts. What soundtracks would you like to stream? I don't, I don't think Donkey Kong Country is on Spotify. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. But uh, I would love, I would love to have that. On just there. I think just Nintendo stuff in general. Would be well, a lot of old rare Pokemon's stuff. on there, like is all really? the Pokemon stuff. Yeah, uh, maybe not all, but like back to even like I think you can listen to like Red and Blue and stuff like hmm. that. Well, then Kyle, you're in luck because huh? the next question comes from Chris Bartlett. Oh, I can't look. I was gonna say Gravity Rush too. Oh, there it is. Uh, he says, "Hey, Ben and friends, I have a little game for you this week. Can you name every non-Pokemon game Game Freak has ever developed and released?" In the United States. Oh, United States. United States. That simplifies it a little bit. Okay. Tembo. Every non-Pokemon. That's What's that? Tembo. Tembo. I need the, the full name. Elephant. Tembo right. the Badass Elephant. There we That's go. From 2015. Around. Correct. Drill Dozer. Drill Dozer from 2006. Harmonite. Harmonite from 2013. Um, the one you reviewed. Little Town Hero. Little Town Little Hero. Little Town Hero. For GameSpot, right? 2019. Uh, Yoshi's Cookie. Yoshi, 1992. Um, Warriors of Woods. There it doesn't include. Wario. It did not come. Okay, because it, it was like Mario was, and Wario or something yeah. like that. That's only in Japan. How many yeah. do we have left? I know there's, there's a Steam five game. Five left. There's a Steam game that I don't know the title of. Yep, that's exactly it. Can you describe it in any way? It's a platformer. It's yeah. generally it's very underwhelming. <laughs> Correct. Oh, you're talking about Giga Record. Giga Record. Yeah. There we go. I think it came to consoles too. So I got th- three more. Four more. Four more. First one is. Um, I like this game a lot. NES game. Oh, NES? Mm. Okay. Mm. Soundtrack goes... I don't think I know this one. Okay. I don't think I'm going to get it. Mendel Palace. Oh! Surprisingly I almost, I almost said Solomon's Key as a guess. Oh, sure? Because I, I remembered it being some kind of weird puzzly kind yeah. of thing. Okay, uh, okay let's see. Uh, this one was released on the Sega channel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh! Wait, it's a little robot. Right? Yes. It's like a platformer. Yes. He's red. He's a red robot. His his sprite is very large. <laughs> Pulse Man. Pulse Man. I knew I because I was thinking Vector Man. Okay. I knew it was a man. 1992. They released Smart Ball. Smart Ball. Last okay. one is 2016. Okay. And I believe it's a 3DS game that I remember Giant Bomb liked a lot. A 3DS. Uh, game? Yes. Pocket Card Jockey. Yeah. 2016. Wait, Way to go. That was Game Freak. Yeah. I reviewed that game. Really? I wow. I think that was Game Freak. I, that, that is a cool game. Uh, bonus question. What is the one Pokemon spinoff, not including remakes of older generations, that Game Freak developed themselves? Isn't this an interesting is question? Spinoff? Mm. It's not Mystery Dungeon, is it? It is not. Oh, the first Mystery Dungeon? No. Mm-mm. So it's a Pokemon spinoff. It's not Snap. No. They didn't do Snap. Um, Stadium. Nope. Stadium 2. How? Nope. <laughs> Pokemon Quest from 2018, that kind of like oh. Minecrafty looking mm. one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there it is. My kid plays that a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tell her she doesn't have to. <laughs> With a deep sense of regret. Yeah, yeah I'm what sorry is. you found this. Evan McHugh says, Serial, are you psyched for Guilty Gear Strive? She's looking crispy. Yeah. Great. Is that the one that's coming out very soon? No, uh, that's Grand Blue Fantasy is oh. in March, and then uh, Strive is still kind of unannounced, but I'm guessing it'll be towards the end of the year. Right it's on. crazy that how how they also just released like an update for Dragon Ball and they put Keffel in there. So. Yeah, yeah. I oh, right, check it right, out. Right. Uh, oh, here's one I forgot. Hey, Bob Beal writes in. 
Let's go back to the Erie town, Uh-oh. Erie, Pennsylvania. For as long as I can remember when I was a kid, I had a memory of a room, the layout of a living room. So I sketched out the room, exactly how I remember it. Stairs, couch, mirrors, dining room, the whole shebang. I took it to my mom, and with a one-second pause, she looked at it and said, Oh, yes, of course I remember what that is. That's the house we lived in when you were a baby. Turns out this was the exact layout of a house I lived in until I was six months old. Six months old, says Bob. My mom was genuinely surprised at how many of the details were in there in the drawing and that were actually in the house. Like the steep staircase up to the bedrooms, the tacky wood grain on the walls, what was an actual lawn chair next to the couch, and the mirrored dining room. I never saw the house after that, and as far as I know, we don't have photos of it. Hmm. How did he convey tacky wood grain on the walls in a drawing? Are you doubting Bob Buell's artistic ability? No, that's just impressive. I think it's very impressive. I think he secretly saw photos of it, Bob. But... (laughs) <laughs> Still, I like this good eerie Six story. on the eerie scale. Yes, very good. Um, okay, here we go. Nick L. says, Hello, Max. I enjoyed a somewhat lazy Saturday weekend with the roommate where we watched several hours of DuckTales, which has an amazing theme song, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. In Is fact... original or new? Well, it doesn't matter. They both have the same theme song, right? Mm, no, well, no, but... He says they do. Well, it's a cover. It's like the same well, lyrics, yeah, but still. it's a different song. No, it's not. Just let him finish the... Jesus. <laughs> okay. He I'm says serious. he is thinks it on Spotify. <laughs> he thinks it is the most widely recognized cartoon theme song of all time. Can you top it for just mm. recognition of a cartoon theme song? The Simpsons has to be above. Mm. Yeah. That, yeah. Right? I also do, I feel like on the list of things that the Simpsons is known for, it's not necessarily the theme song whereas I think I would rank it a lot higher for DuckTales. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yes, for sure, but it's not quality. It's just most recognized cartoon theme. That's, I mean, Ninja. I feel like the Ninja Turtle. I, cartoon I was thinking thing? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, pretty up there. Would that be above like Mighty Mouse though? Yeah, like, you think of like think there's so. some weird stuff that kind of culturally. Did anything Bugs Bunny related have a theme song? Well, there was that opera. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Looney Tunes theme. Do you think that's more widely recognized in The Simpsons at this point? I don't maybe think I don't think today. kids maybe kids might recognize it, but I don't think they would know what it is exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like well, maybe that counts. Recognized, but not knowing what yeah, it is. Ducktales is up there, though. Steamboat Willie. <laughs> oh yeah. The kids. I mean, it, the kids are all over. It's that like one. the intro for so many like things at Disney now, right? Oh, that is true. Yeah. Anyways, something to write in about. Baby Shark. Ah, Baby uh, Shark, yes, sir. I feel like if Let It Go counts as a cartoon theme song, it would probably (laughs) be No, it does not in any way. Musky Goron, great name, says, Hey, after watching Sonic the Hedgehog this weekend, I didn't understand why they called it Green Hills instead of Green... No. Uh, (laughs) I thought it'd be fun to make a game for the show based on video game movies. The game works as such. Each round, the Max crew must guess the video game movie after being given three quotes from each movie. Oh, God. So... Okay, so first I give you the Rotten Tomatoes score. Then I give you a series of quotes. First person to buzz in with their name and guess the name of the video, video game, game movie. Movies. Yep. Okay. Movie number one. Rotten Tomatoes score is 52%. All my myths... I'm sorry. <laughs> I already blew it. Okay. All myths are foundations of reality. So first, Jeff. Jeff. Assassin's Creed. Incorrect. Yes, though. This is like recoiled at that. Second quote. I'm not flirting. I'm just naturally charismatic. Kyle. Kyle. Street Fighter. Incorrect. Ah. Third quote. 
If Vogel opens that tomb, Himiko's curse will be unleashed on the world. Uh, I could get used to this. I could get used to this. <laughs> tomb Raider? There we go. Oh, tomb Raider. Yeah. All right. Movie number two. Critic score, 69%. Nice, says Muskie. Correct. Um, at this point, how could you not believe in climate change? Okay. What's the score? 69? 69%. And it'll make more sense with this one. Second quote, all I'm hearing are consonants and all I'm seeing are nipples. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting for the third quote. Jeff. Jeff. Rampage. <laughs> Come on. No, no. I don't think that one had 69% though. I think I maybe not what it is, but I only have a third quote. Buzz in, you coward. Kyle, Angry Birds 2. No. Uh, third quote. Look, I'm a great detective, but I can't uh, solve my own mystery if I have I no memory. I can get used to this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pokemon Detective. Oh, there you we even go. got the title right, Way too. To go. Oh, man. See, I should have waited for that last quote. All I'm hearing are consonants, and all I'm seeing are nipples. I don't remember that line in that film. Neither do is there some Pokemon uh, with a bunch that, of nipples? Something with Milk Tank, I'm guessing. I don't think Milk Tank's in the movie. Yeah, um, and that's that why I only got Pokemon? 69%. It should have been higher. Oh, yeah. uh, Rotten Tomato score for this one is well, 18... <laughs> <laughs> I missed what he's. I missed it. <laughs> Doing the Shia LaBeouf clap. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's which, is, which is the Citizen King clap. Anyways, Rotten Tomato score eighteen percent. First quote: It's twenty sixteen. No one cares about freedom. Oh boy! <laughs> Amazing. Second quote: Now, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> Third quote, we work in the dark to serve the light. Oh, uh, Assassin's Creed. Yes, way to go, Serial. Way I to like go, I like that your man. name is slap on the desk. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he said buzz in. <laughs> All right, 28%. Why do you laugh? I cannot see how you humans survive such a thing, how you survive anything. No muscles to protect you, brittle bones that break. I put it in a woman's voice. I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I turned this movie off. <laughs> Second quote, wherever Gul'dan works his magic, this land <laughs> dies. Can you say that one again? I'm sorry. <clears throat> wherever Gul'dan works his magic, Gold the land dies. Jeff. Submit, what's Jeff. Warcraft. Yes, oh, Warcraft. Nice. Way job. to go, man. All right. 47%. Those were $500 sunglasses. Jeff. Jeff. Mortal Kombat. Yes! Oh, that was, yeah. Kill it. Do you Johnny remember Cage. that? No, but. Sunglasses. That oh, wow. Sound, yeah. Very Vanity. good. Uh, 19%. Kill them all. Let God sort them out. Kyle. Kyle. Street Fighter? No. Ah. What? <laughs> that sounded like Street Fighter so bad. Yeah. I know. That sounded like one of his. He has that great Tuesday line in it. Maybe it doesn't need air. It could have come from another planet or something. Third quote. Believe me, it used to be a lot rougher. There was a time when arc travel was susceptible to, say, major turbulence. Arc travel? Arc travel. Arc travel? I don't know. Doom! Oh, okay. Oh, was that the third quote? 
That was it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Doom. This part's in first person. We're, yeah, the movie ended with them saying, we're sorry you watched Doom. Uh, 11%. All I want to do is rule the world. Is that so much to ask? Kyle Street Fighter. Kyle Street hey! Fighter. There you go. Can we get the other ones? The second quote is, oh man, I should have stayed at Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy third quote is this is the collection agency bison your ass is six months overdue and it's mine <laughs> oh that's all right that's good, nice good. those are your wedding vows weren't they Jeff? yeah <laughs> okay cool oh, and i beat you to it all uh 23 right. do you know what i love about mud it's clean and it's dirty at the same time kyle kyle angry birds correct angry birds two shut up <laughs> Great. A building with athlete's foot. That sums up this movie perfectly. <laughs> this is actually the direction for their set design. Uh, surreal? Yeah. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers? There game? we go. Oh. go. Third quote is, because you see, Mario here brought me up. He's been like my mother my whole life. <laughs> what was the like first Obama. quote? That's a good joke. First mud. quote is, yeah, do you know what I love about mud? It's clean and sturdy at the same time. Is yeah. that a Koopa yeah, thing? It's Dennis Hopper line. I remember. I visualized it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Uh, what do you guys like for question of the week? I am 8-bit question of the week. Uh, what was that quote one? I remember. I love the quote one. I remember Grizzled had a good one. I don't know what it was, though. But I remember, like, oh, the, like, the weirdness. His, the his... weirdness. The weirdness was a good question. The driving into the rainbow one, I think, was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also won last week, and I thought it used to be, you know, with, yeah. that's a lot. Do the quote one, man. Yeah, you can't top that. The movie that's quote. the game, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, congratulations. He had, like, 20 entries in there. That's yeah. true. Uh, do you want to grab the blue album from over there? Congratulations to Musky Goron. You won I Am 8-Bits Prize of the Week. Nope, incorrect. Nope. Okay. Um, the other one. The other the blue, blue one. one. Oh, I thought it was blue. Is it maybe blue on one side? There it is. Yes, there we go. Oh, Ninja this Turtles. is the pizza. soundtrack to Ninja Turtles on vinyl. It, pizza on one side. I'm going to flip it around there. And it probably has the most recognizable, a digitized version of the most recognizable cartoon theme song ever created, That's right? That's probably true. Yes, the Turtles in Time soundtrack on vinyl. Uh, congratulations. Album art by Alan Lewis. Again, if you're interested in any of this stuff, you can go to I'm 8-Bit, check out their store, and put in the promo code MIDMAX. We'd appreciate it. They'd appreciate it. Very cool. And thank you, Musky Goron, for leaving a great comment. You can leave them in the future on patreon.com slash MIDMAX 2 ends if you support us at any tier. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's time now for Get a Load of This. Serial so you Get a Load of This. Uh, this you was say a- it too half-hearted, but... <laughs> I guess we'll go along. Get a load of this! Uh-huh. Well, I don't know what emotion that is. <laughs> it's like you're going to fight somebody. Uh, oh, I lost the tweet. My <gasps> tweet that I was referencing disappeared. Okay, so earlier today, actually, uh, Kobisoft Joe... Uh, Friend of the show. Yeah, tweeted that uh, Inio Asano talks about how he uses Unreal Engine to make manga backgrounds. I urge all of you visual artists to download free 3D software and experiment with how you can incorporate it into your work. And the video he has here is just this guy, basically, you know, Sano, talking about how instead of like drawing individual frames and stuff, he'll what he'll do is he'll render, he'll make renders of all of the objects in the scene, and then he'll basically like angle them, and then those become the like the things that he basically draws. Hmm. And so that allow that gives him a lot of consistency, and he can basically it gives him a better like map of like what what the scene looks like and he was kind of thinking about like well i i would like to do something where i just model this city before i even start like whatever i do like the actual series 
and then basically like have a, a much better internal map of where everything is uh, for the sake of drawing it. So he has like a 3D layout basically that he can kind of put a camera in different places. Right. To make, that's cool. That's huh. cool. And it's a cool video to show it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Love it. So, Jeff, are you following? Hey, get a load of this. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, this one's personal and cheesy, and I apologize in advance, mm-hmm. but uh, Minnesota has one more licensed registered nurse <gasps> as of last Are week. you married to her? Yes, I am. Hey, yeah, so, yeah, my wife passed it. And But the interesting thing, if you don't care about my personal life, mm-hmm. is the test that they have to do is super crazy. <laughs> it's It's run by, like, a computer AI... That has thousands of questions that it draws what? from with all of these nurse, you know, like different scenarios and stuff that nurses may find themselves in. All the questions are multiple choice, but they're super hard. So it's like you have to find the right answer, but multiple ones are right. And you have to find kind of the rightest answer. Oh, my God. But basically, weird. when you take the test, you get a minimum of 75 questions and a, or and it can go anywhere up to a maximum of 265 questions. You yes. you have six hours to do the test, uh, but it will basically, every time you answer a question, it will add it to its, you know, however it is kind of analyzing your performance up to that point, and then it will choose a new question that it believes you have a 50-50% chance of That's answering wild. correct or incorrect. And so it will keep on doing it does it you know updates every time you answer a question it picks another 50% one and then you just do those questions until it decides it it is confident in your skill level at which point it will it will say okay tests over but it, it and it doesn't tell you at that point if you've passed or failed you have to wait a couple of days just to really rub it in but it it decides that and and but at that point you don't know it could go either way, and so and so my wife did it. It took her, you know, two hours. She got she got to the seventy fifth question and answered it, and then it shut her off, and she had no idea. Oh my and god! Because, and because it's designed, you know, for each question to be a fifty fifty, she was like, I I was not confident on a single question that I got answered. What a nightmare! Yeah, and so and so I looked it up. You know, I said, oh, I'm sure you passed. You know, and everything. And then I was looking up, and I was like. If you only answered seventy five questions, that has to be a good sign, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was like ask, if, yeah. if you were gonna if you were doing bad, it would probably ask you more questions. And when I looked it up, the internet was like, actually, no, because it all all it means when it cuts you off is it's confident that that's that's your skill ability, whether it's seventy five questions, whether they ask you a hundred questions, it it has decided already. So how either, many teraflops does it take to process this? I think twelve actually. <laughs> so, yeah, but so. Basically, at that point, if if you're done in 75 questions, you you either did really good or you completely bombed it, and Yishta. and you're screwed. And so, you know, I was Nightmare holding out hope, and I was like, "Oh no, don't worry, honey, you got it." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I hope so," because otherwise, uh-huh. otherwise, you really screwed the pooch on that one. But yeah. she didn't screw any That's pooches. Awesome. And so now she's the only registered nurse in Minnesota. That's that right. Yeah, that everyone else is reset. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you got to go take it again. I'm sorry. Beautiful, uh, Kyle. Hey, guys, get a load of this. I will. Uh, you guys talked. Oh, come on. My thing disappeared. Here we go. Okay, so you guys talked last week. You talked about HQ trivia yeah. shutting down. Um, but I wanted to share this uh, tweet that you guys didn't touch on from Scott Rogowski, who was the host for a while. He left like partway through. I did read his tweet. Th- this one? I don't think you read this one, right? Okay. 
Okay. No, not this one. So, uh, Russ, this guy, uh, what's his name? Russ, um, it's not important. He's the founder of uh, HQ Trivia. Yeah. And Scott Rogalski, who hosted HQ Trivia. So, Russ tweeted uh, in 2016, don't sell your company. And then when all this stuff with HQ Trivia went down, um, Scott Rogalski grabbed that old tweet uh-huh. and tweeted it with the comment, don't let him run your company. Right. Which is like, oh, okay, he's stirring up some drama here. And then Russ just replied to him saying hugs. Which is like, okay, he's trying to like, you know, like level things out. You know, sure. we, let's just be friends. But then Scott Rogowski replied, Russ, you are a clinical sociopath. As much as the HQ employees didn't care for your leadership, which twice drove the company into the ground, we care about you as a fellow human. Please seek treatment from a mental health professional and get the help you need. Hugs indeed. <laughs> which is just like... What happened at that company? Well, that was that <laughs> like, weird stuff oh of like, wouldn't let Scott do interviews. Yeah. And it was very weird and controlling. And it's just that Silicon Valley money. But it's just, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, clearly there was some kind of strange relationship going Yeesh, on there uh, that uh, got surfaced when. Uh, well, I hope, uh, I hope Russ gets I, help. I hope he does get help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just crazy to see that kind of like discussion happening mm-hmm. on Twitter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Vile. I don't know what we're looking for. Just hostility on Twitter. I get, but it's call? like it's like it's like a weird hostility. Hostility where he's also like, but please, like, seek out some help. You know, you need help. But we care I mean, about that's meant as a dick. It's, oh yeah, for I sure. Mean, more than anything else. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was an interesting tweet. <laughs> yes, for sure. Good follow up. Get a load of this. But hey, everybody, get a load of this. Are y'all looking forward to the new film Homeward? I think I know this. One. Uh, Is that the cart- Pixar film? That's no, right. That's okay. Onward. Well, Cartoon Brew posted uh, a trailer uh, for a new film called Homeward, um, and here's the description from Cartoon Brew. It's from The Asylum. The Asylum is the studio behind the Sharknado franchise and sci-fi Z Nation, and in 2016, they began producing animated mockbusters, as they put it. Starting with Izzy's Way Home, inspired by Disney Pixar's Finding Dory, since then they've also released Troll Land, inspired by DreamWorks' Trolls, and Cargo, inspired by Cars 3. Per the synopsis, (laughs) Homeward, quote, follows a boastful elf and his prank-happy orc brother who must learn to work together to stop a fiendish orc gang from retrieving a magical stone that will give them the power to take over the world. The film's headlining voice actors are Joey Lawrence and Tom Green. (laughs) On (laughs) On the poster, the tagline says, an orctastic journey of elvish proportions. It's wait, like the clumsiest. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. And second. watching the trailer, it is so bizarre. So it's just like the second Pixar announces a film, it's like, okay, we need to make this cheap version to accidentally fool people. Yeah. Can you imagine being like the director of that movie though? Like, how much do you try? How much are you proud of this thing? Because it's not like a joke. They're sincerely they're making this they're movie. They're trying to piggyback off the marketing that's going to be yeah. pushing onward, right? Right. How how good or bad is the animation for it? It's not great. It's yeah. not good at all. Um, but it's not like hilarious made on the internet or like one of those like Korean animating mm-hmm. the news type of things. Yeah. It's a notch above that. But yeah. that. It seems like for cash in mock movies, it that seems like the most expensive way to go. I you know? know it's it's not like the scary movie scenario where you, where you can get just a bunch of dumb nobodies making jokes. Right, right. I don't understand it, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Homeward. Uh, maybe we'll do a <laughs> I mean, spoilers. Did you guys see? Like, I remember growing up and like in grocery stores and stuff. Like when Lion King came out, there was like the VHSs of like 
King of the Lions and stuff like that. Like, that's it wasn't that other. Was it that French or Japanese? No, no, <laughs> no. Okay. I know you. It, no, yeah. it was Japanese. It was right, yeah, right. Um, Kimba the White yes, Lion. Yes. But um, yeah, I, that 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 has always been around. Like it's always people just trying to piggyback off of like what Disney is doing. It's a yeah. weird thing. It's yeah. gross. Anyways, on that note, hey, that's the Min Max Show this week. Thank you so much for listening or watching. We appreciate it. Um, we have the kind of relaunch coming soon, which should be exciting for people. So please look forward to that. It's a good time to support us on Patreon at the end of the month here. And you can, uh, if you support us at the $100 tier, you can be on the Wall of Heroes, get any picture you want back there throughout the entire month. So your dog, your cat, your fish. Uh, your loved ones. The diagram of face. the house you grew up in until you were six Ooh, months old. That's right. That would be uh, good. Your face. Whatever you want. Hopefully something that makes us laugh in good taste can go on the screen back there. Otherwise, $50 supporters will send out a custom thank you video. And also your name gets in the description of every episode of uh, the podcast here. But we'll be rearranging some things in the near future. So please look forward to that. Um, without further ado, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Bye. <laughs>
real. They're fictional. And, and like his argument is like they're real to me. Yeah. And that's what like summons his the, like what basically destroys the virus and returns <laughs> the 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 game state to normal. And they even, they even enter. It's it's still animated, but they enter the real world where he's entering the virtual reality. Because apparently right. there's a giant exhibit or whatever, like the mall. I'm guessing yeah. where yeah. it's like oh experience Dragon Quest in VR, which is obviously going to attract like tons of crowds. But they only have one kiosk and one person is <laughs> Actually, there. I think there were multiple kiosks because the other oh, okay. ones are like rotating in the background. Okay, so he goes thing. in and uses this simulation for who knows how many hours, right? Yeah. I imagine Lives however long Dragon Quest Five is. Feels like a yeah. lifetime. Because yeah. like at the beginning of the movie, they like they kind of imply that it is a video game because it's like oh yeah you have to go beat this boss. Oh, and they and they cuts to like the CG animated version of the Dragon Quest yeah. like fight screen and where it's like hey it deals twenty one damage. It's, right, and there dead. is there's also the time he says. Like this is he's like oh I want robots I want to fight some robots right and he's like oh no how does he says, earlier in the game like, like, he warns you he's like yeah. look out there's gonna be robots up here and he's like robots he's like hey I'm why tell you, why robots that's how, that's how it yeah. went that's how it's happening this time yeah, yeah there was so there is a little bit yeah. of foreshadowing and even there's cool stuff that. where like like he, YouTube is the, is an antivirus software that has been following <laughs> him the whole time <laughs> but then also I like the way he like drank this. Uh, poison from the witch and kind of goes yeah. into his subconscious mind all this stuff basically trips out and as he's tripping out this is earlier in the movie he's like falling through Dragon Quest like dialogue options that are like all old school and stuff like it's cool man so there is like some subtle a foreshadowing little, yeah, that yeah. this is but all he, like even then, in that moment it feels like oh this is they're kind of making a callback to the game itself it, mm-hmm. it's not, the implication there is it's like oh this thing that is happening right now is part of a video game right it's more like this is how it was in the game like in the first because the first eight minutes are like it, they're like straight up delivered through dialogue text boxes that are in Japanese yeah. so you have to read the, uh, the English subtitles um, but like that that felt like oh this is an homage to how the game was made not like to, it it does not feel like it. It's directly implying that this experience is a game, right? Which is a, a weird distinction, but like, it, it's weird how they like they do kind of set it up, but ultimately, I don't know that it like the the twist doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. No, not to the larger. Yeah. It's like it's just a it's it's a a route for the protagonist to be like. I really care about Dragon Quest. These characters just to be are this weird ad for like, hey, yeah. go play Dragon Quest. Yeah, you know what games are good? Yeah. Dragon but Quest. Hey, it worked yeah. on you. You're gonna play Eleven? Eleven's great, man. Yeah, I, it made me want to play Dragon Quest. It really did. Like yeah. I, I, I really ended up liking that movie more than I thought I would. Like especially after the first 20 minutes, where I was just like so just overloaded with like what is happening. And then yeah, when yeah. that stuff was, I actually, uh, which you knew because like the the son of the protagonist ends up being the ultimate hero, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that. So that actually was like a fun moment in the movie too, oh, yeah. like where he saved his dad and he's like, "I'm the hero. I can use the sword." Like that stuff was cool. Like I, I like that because I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, what are the chances you watch this thing now, or at least fast forward to the end? <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you know this, but this is Dragon Quest Twelve <laughs> right now. You're breaking through. Dragon Quest it's is Gutrude. real. It's Gutrude. <laughs>